T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. How you doing, bud? Doing good. Yeah, doing... uh... Cavs, uh, you know, made me feel a little bit better about my take from Tuesday. So rem- I, remind I'm the not people what lie. it was. I I was sweating it. <laughs> I was really sweating the, in the fourth so quarter last night. Just real night. quick here, because you were talking about the the good loss, right? Or, yeah. So you you a thought lesson the to be game. learned. Yeah, lesson to be learned. Uh, actually, after the game, Donovan talked about how they came yeah. into uh they came into the day angry and coming off that loss, they were angry. Uh, it didn't look that way in the first half, though. Yeah, I was going to say. They couldn't throw it in the ocean standing on the beach. They kind of hit thrusters when they were down by, was it 16 or 17? Seven, it was yeah. 17, yeah. And so it, it's funny. Like, I, I kind of just looked at yesterday as like, okay, you didn't lose two straight that you shouldn't have lost. Yeah. And more importantly, that team just looked like it was ready for the All-Star <laughs> game, which in fairness, every team does. Yeah. So like... It's almost like even though it was the game that came after Philly, I didn't have the same level of agitation, even though I think there's a through line there. But I think this could be a case that both games could be a case where maybe you were looking a little bit more ahead to the All-Star break. I don't love that. The one, two, three Cancun. Yeah, yeah. But so I don't love it. But it's at least a little bit better because you, you closed out with a win there. Yeah, and, and so I'm sitting there thinking like, okay, y'all want the Aretha Franklin R-E-S-P-E-C-T, but you got to do me a solid because I, I was trying to have your back on Tuesday and then you're getting your doors blown off in the first half to the Chicago Bulls and you can't make a shot to save your soul. And then, uh, yeah, they didn't have a lead until like the 10-minute mark of the fourth quarter. Yeah, yeah. And, and George Nyang. Uh, he will be known guy. as the minivan from here on out. Well, okay, he's already known as the minivan. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I got, to, I got to send out the minivan is in cruise control. At one point, and then immediately after that, the dust up happened <laughs> right. with Kobe White, and which was great. Ness, you know, Ness likes going to basketball games. Of all the sports I watch, right. she'll tune in and pay attention to, to basketball. But trying to explain to her what a big nothing burger the Kobe White George Yang kerfuffle was—that's right. what it is. That's a kerfuffle. That's it, not a fight. It wasn't. It really wasn't anything. I mean, it, it, there there was contact. Foul got called. Uh, White took exception to it. Yang took exception to it. And then there were a lot of exceptions being taken. Yeah, And it was verbal after that. There was a little light shove and then, you know, the little barking back and forth. But, you know, the officials and the coaches all ran in. I I couldn't tell if it was security or coaches because the— It was JB because I saw JB run in. Well, no, the uh, not just that, but the Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse uh, court— folks that assist those that have the the courtside seats or whatever 
were wearing the same red tops, it looked like, <laughs> that the Bulls coaches were wearing. Mm-hmm. You couldn't tell them apart there for a second. I just saw a bunch of people in red shirts descend upon the, as you put it, kerfluffle. A kerfuffle. Not to, kerfluffle. That's to, different. To separate them. And, and, you know, but, yeah, I mean, I'm just glad they won. They they, they got it done. Real and quick. Going to the uh, All-Star I'm break. I'm just going to tell you right now. That's not a double technical for both guys no. if Isaiah Stewart doesn't get arrested earlier in the day. <laughs> See, I, I'm being 100% honest. That was the biggest nothing burger, and thankfully they did the double tease that canceled out, so it's no, it's, it, it really is a nothing it, burger. It was getting chipped. It was but, starting to get a little chippy, so that, that was to calm things down. Yes, that, that's what that but was But 100%, refs were on high alert last night. Because and I, 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 you cannot convince me it wasn't the Isaiah Stewart thing. It had because yeah. they were a lot tenser last night and a lot more quick to action. I, I also thought they were a little bit too quick to call things. Right, like I can we just say like guys, embellishment. Uh, NBA players, uh, in spite of Space Jam Two, are getting too good at acting. Like they are. It is. <laughs> it is getting to a point where and Kobe White. I think ninety percent of the reason his hair is to the degree it is, is because he knows that that his hair bopping around and him his dramatic head tosses, right. he should get an Oscar. Like, move over Paul Giamatti in The Holdovers, which is a great movie. Kobe White last night, like, that was Daniel Day-Lewis level. Like, I, I was like, is that Lincoln on the court? Is that, is that, uh, is, is this, is this, there will be blood? Because it feels like that level of commitment to a performance. And listen, I'm calling out Kobe. It was, it was, like, it was Oscar-worthy. Yes. At, time, at times, it was Oscar-worthy, and I'm not going to lie. The hair helped. The hair absolutely helps. And now we got to get to Jarrett. We got to be like, Jarrett, we got the playoffs coming up. We're going to need you to grow the fro. We're going to need you to double that in size because any time Kobe White moved his head in any direction, whether he was trying to flop or not. The whistle refs, blew. Refs, I mean, he tripped over his own feet. And they fouled George Niang out of the game. And 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 as a quick aside, you know, JB, you can challenge that. When a guy just just so JB knows, when when a guy that was actually instrumental in you getting back in the game, right. and a guy who set the tone energy wise, I'm not trying to stand full on for George Niang here, but you can you can challenge whether that, that was a foul. Yeah. And Kobe White just looked like a big dumbass tripping on his own feet. And I like Kobe. I watched Kobe play at North Carolina. And, and so did hey, Donovan Mitchell, big big Kobe White fan I, too, had lots of nice lots of nice things so, to say in the uh, the Bulls uh social team came into the Cavalier locker room specifically to get Donovan Mitchell to say something about Kobe White. I, I think they did the right thing. I, I, so, but Kobe didn't do that crap at UNC. Because I watched him every single night. Because I He clearly watched a lot uh, of Anderson Barajal. I think it's what they're coaching these guys to do. And it's to a point where the NBA has to crack down on it. And if they, they talk tough about uh, flopping and embellishment. It's yeah. to the point where these guys are being coached to such a degree. And you can see it. Like, they exa- like DeMar DeRozan. A, a, a little bump. They exaggerate. Like, oh, you just knocked me into next week. Well, yeah. and I don't – like, listen, I understand why you coach them to sell the foul, and I understand the idea behind it. Here's the problem. Uh, DeMar DeRozan flew across the floor on no contact, didn't get a call, and then didn't get back on defense. Like, I think that's the thing that would drive me crazy. I'd, I'd care more about playing uh, four on five the other side of the court than I would, oh, you didn't get that call because you flopped. But anyways, like, I, they got to do something right. about it. Yeah. Because there were two things that stood out to me that have nothing to do with the Cavs or Bulls last night. One of them is embellishment is out of control. The other thing is there are just too many games where the final 90 seconds of the game – 
takes 30 minutes of real time. And just in an era where all all leagues are caring about is making it as palatable as possible, as watchable as possible, last night and, – and listen, it's a close game. I understand the theory. I understand the theory of fouling guys to keep in a game close if you're down. I understand that that goes all the way back to the beginnings of the game. I don't care. You know why? Because it sucks to watch. And it really is just unwatchable when it's like – all right, this team takes a five-second possession, jacks up a, uh, a ridiculous three to try and uh, uh, get even. Oh, they make it. Okay, now we're going to come back down. Now you foul. Like, it is so unwatchable. They need to treat it like a tech. It, not every foul under 90 seconds because I Tiger almost got out of the cage there. What they need to do is they need to treat it when it's an obvious foul where it is a, a purposeful foul in the final 90 seconds, it needs to be – uh, either a shot or two shots, and the ball goes back to the team that got fouled. So the foul to give thing needs to go away is what you're saying. Yes, 100%. But see, you know what? I'll, I have more of an objection to the constant play, timeout, play, timeout, mm-hmm. play, timeout. I mean, Mac and I were texting for like a f- – during the entire second half trying to fi- – I wasn't sure I was going to make it in time to, to hop on his show mm-hmm. the way I'm supposed to every uh, Wednesday evening. Like, I, I wasn't sure that like, I was even going to make it. I'm like, uh, this uh, – I know we have like 30 seconds to play, but if we finish it in the next 40 minutes, I'll be impressed. Because – but I don't have a problem with the strategy of, of the intentional foul, send them to the free throw line, make them make their free throws, extend the game. Because teams come back and win that way late in games. How, what, how often? It, 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 I'd say it's about one out of ten. I'd say it's about ten percent of the time it works. But that's like that'd that's be the, like if the NFL was like, you know what, uh, you know what we're going to endorse do? a way that now you got to do a hail mary at the end of the game, and and and, and that's like the the thing that happens in like fifty percent of NFL games, and it's got like a ten. Here's the solution percentage. that'll never happen because of the advertising dollars involved, right? And the networks have to recoup the billions of dollars in rights fees. What it should be is the timeouts with less than 90 seconds to go should all be 30 seconds. That it, And I'm not talking like a, quote, 30-second timeout that's a two-minute commercial break. I'm talking about it's 30 seconds. You can play a 30-second spot, come back, and we're back to business. Like, instead of timeout, three-minute commercial break, run a play, foul, extend, whatever it is, another timeout, another three-minute commercial break, come back, re- rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat, until the the game is over. I think that that's one equitable solution to just kind of speed up the pacing at the end of the game there. I think where last it, night where the they only had one-minute breaks, though. Yeah. They had a tight – like, last night, I actually give ESPN credit. They weren't doing three-minute breaks. Sometimes they do. If it, they haven't got all their spots way. out. It just felt well, but that But that's way. the problem, is at the end of the game where you've got a great, tense game and both teams are jostling to get back in it, you know, not only have you stripped away every advantage of any defender – I mean, that call on Darius, where what the hell is Darius supposed to do? You can't touch a guy, right? You can't go up to him. You can't even get in his space. And it's a foul now. Late in a game, in a close game, everything's a foul. So not only do you foul, 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 but then you have these deliberate fouls. And the the whole purpose of it is, ah, well, we're going to go ahead and make you make your free throws. Man, isn't that sexy? Isn't that sexy? The final 10 points of the game from the winning team, we're on free throws. That's going to drop some panties right there. No, it's awful. It really is. It is god-awful. And here's the thing. Hey, Donovan Mitchell was 12 of 13 from the free throw line. And, by the way, we had MVP chance last night. Do you get to take a victory lap on that? Because I believe 
that I was the one suggesting Cleveland needs to get behind Donovan, and then you took that platform to spring off and say, like some MVP uh, chance there. I just, I, if I'm remembering correctly. I, I was very specific in that if you can give Jetty Osmond, as much as we love Jetty when he was here, if you can chant MVP for Jetty Osmond when he's at the free throw line, you can do it for Donovan. Keith, I was to, the one that made the specific suggestion that you could do it for Donovan. I was going to say, you, you're trying to be the guy that takes credit saying we should come up with ideas, and then somebody comes up with the idea, and you say, well, I am I told you to come up with an idea, so I'm taking credit for that. I mean, if I led Daryl to water and he drank, I would, I yes, I, I, am, <laughs> I am the shaman that led you to drink water. You're hydrated now. You're welcome. One, your credit is revoked, and I guess mine is too, because Seamarsh on Twitter – uh, and social media reactions on X. Powered by Scheiben Jewelers, Cleveland's premier jewelry store. Seymour saying, just hate to break it to you guys. Um, Spider Mitchell has gotten MVP chance before last night from Cavs fans. So Not any um, of the games that I've covered. Uh, well, I'm sorry. We're going to have to take it away. But I, I still get credit for leading you there. But you don't get credit for actually the MVP chance. Yeah. Yeah. It's just it's the way it works. Afternoon drive with Nick Wilson. It's okay. Who makes up these rules? Me. Mostly. I was going to say, I need to have a conversation <laughs> with that person. So I, I One-sided as it may be. I do want to get to the Evan Mobley stuff here in a minute, but I, I just waged war on both embellishment, which is embarrassing in the NBA, and, and honestly, I don't know how you police that because the players are so damn good at acting. Like Kobe White last night. Guys, he just sold it really well. It's embarrassing. You look like a Something that I can't say on the radio, but like <laughs> the reality is the juice is worth the squeeze to those guys. Yeah. So like, I don't know how you police that. My idea, at least with the style of play late in games, which is, and I think it's really important to distinguish, it is deliberate fouls. It is those, you get the ball on the inbounds and you're fouled within three se- three milliseconds, not three seconds. Three seconds would actually be okay, but three milliseconds. Like turning that into- Well, if it takes you three seconds to foul, you're not doing your job in that situation. That's true. And which- by the way, shout out- arena timekeepers for you know hitting the stop button <laughs> but uh, you get free throws in a possession i think that would that would that would stymie that just god awful it's i understand the validity of the approach it's not about the approach you're and coaches would hate it you're because trying it, to take a phase of the game away i mean that's what baseball did with uh taking away the or limiting the the um the what the shift that's what baseball's done with a pitch clock. Like, every rule change changes the game fundamentally. The NFL has taken away things. NBA's already changed the game by taking away hand-checking. That's a huge thing that's changed the NBA. And people well, it's will made claim, it a more offensive league. Well, and- people claim that's a good thing. Okay, but then your final 90 seconds are still borderline unwatchable. So which one of those two things do you think is a, in terms of an enjoyment factor, do you think is a, a bigger hindrance to the NBA? I, I would say, I would God, this is painful for me to do right now. Oh, you have to agree with me? Is that what it is? I I would say the last 90 seconds of games taking an hour to play. Now, see, now I get to take another victory lap here. Everything's turning up Wilson here to start. As you loathe and lament embellishment, Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Nick Wilson to embellish. Go well, ahead. Well, that's different. That's not on an NBA court. If I was doing it on an NBA court, then it'd be problematic. 216-474-0092. We, we're going to get to the Evan Mobley stuff here in a moment. But embellishment or style of play late in these games, what what is less enjoyable to watch? Jim, welcome to the show. Jim. I need to take exception with both of you guys, and I love both of you. 
Uh, do we have the attention span of fleas? Yes. Yes, NBA I games, actually do have ADHD. <laughs> NBA games take two, two and a half hours. Last night's game was only two and a half hours. And we're going to sit here and, and the final 30 minutes oh. took uh, the final 30 the, minutes? Yeah, three minutes of the game. <laughs> guys, let's if we go back and look at the clock. It's not true. Come on, guys. I, I mean, you guys, I get it. You guys are going over the top of it, but NBA games are we the, would fast, never do that. the fastest. They're the fastest professional sport that there is. The, the whole pride of the NBA. I don't know. Major League Baseball will like word these days. They're they're playing games in two and a half hours now. Thank you, pitch clock. Well, without the continuous action, I'm just saying. I I think we're getting a little carried away. Look, if you want to change anything, this, and this, I don't know if this would have the right impact or not. You know, quit quit allowing them to take a timeout and move the ball to midcourt. I don't like. I don't hate I, that. You know what? I don't I, hate you that know what, either. Jim, I will meet you halfway on that. I still like my idea better, but I like your idea too. Jim, we appreciate you, buddy. One. I could take either one. I could take either one, Nick. I, I don't think either one's a big deal. I think you're right. I wouldn't mind seeing the two fouls in possession or, or two shots in a possession. It's just, I don't know. The time to me is they already go so quick that it's like Nick eh. wants the intentional foul. Uh, it's just call right off to the be break. applied yeah. in the final couple of minutes there, which defeats the whole purpose of the quick foul to extend the games, make them you know put the game away at the free throw line. You guys are the boys. All right, we appreciate, appreciate you, you, buddy. Look at, look at Jim got all the time in the world over here. So I agree. Like, so here's so where I think Jim is is where I do think a fair amount of people are. What I would say is, I think I'm on the side of where TV execs are, and and maybe league execs, which is everything we do in every sport now is how can we make it quicker? How can we make sure that like we'll take two hours of your attention of 100% of your attention rather than two and a half hours of 75% of your attention. Well, the, I mean, look at the way things are going in society today. And and a lot of it has to do with social media, right? The the way content is consumed, people don't read as much as they used okay. to. Now they want to watch videos and, uh, you know, whatever, look at pictures and things like that. They want it more visually interactive uh, for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, movies, who sits I mean, I, I still do, but a lot of people don't want to sit through a three-hour movie now. They, they, they wanted a, a quick 90-minute story, and that's that. Like, um, it, it's just I, – I don't disagree with Jim, but, like, you have to adapt to what your customers want. It's the whole reason why Major League Baseball instituted the pitch clock mm-hmm. because the paying customers were telling them, we don't, want, we don't have four hours to sit at a ballpark to watch the Yankees and – Red Sox step out of the box between every single pitch, adjust themselves, adjust their caps, move their jerseys around, pull up their pants, step back in, and then we throw in a, and then rinse and repeat 150 times throughout a game. The, the, you know the, the action in the game. You know the, that's why they got rid of the shift to get more base runners on. It, it it's why at the end of the games now in extra innings they're putting the. Uh, I don't know. We call it the ghost runner. Have we decided on what we call that? The automatic runner at second base? I think base? it is the ghost runner, yeah. But, but the, the reason they're doing that is to speed up the ending of the game so it doesn't yeah. drag on and drag on because people don't want stuff that tr- drags on. And it's a problem college football, I think, at some point is going to have. They've kind of already tried to address it, but I don't think they've addressed like, it well co- enough. College football is right now, if, if my memory serves me correctly, the longest sporting event to watch. You have to set three and a half to four hours aside to watch a college football game because there's so many stoppages of play and commercial but, breaks. But can I tell you, I do think, so I don't think it's all about time. But I, I think, think it's a big part of well, it. Well, but I think, so I'm glad you mentioned college football where your average competitiveness for your blue bloods versus 
teams in their conference now, like Alabama's beating um, Tennessee on any given year by 30 points. Right. And Tennessee's a bad example because Heupel's got them a little bit up. But like, you know, ten, uh, Alabama or Georgia is beating the, the eighth best team in their conference and the game's over by halftime. Um, your best hope when you play Rutgers, if you're Ohio State, is this thing gets interesting or stays interesting to the third quarter. So I think it's more of a balance between how quickly does the product go and the competitiveness. And right now, the NBA, if you look at it, there aren't as, like, it's a pretty fast product. Yeah. So it goes pretty fast. It's not competitive. I mean, a lot, a lot of games are being decided by ten points, eleven points. I think the greater, I think the average margin of victory in the NBA is like twelve points. And here you are complaining night. about those close Cavalier well, wins. But my point is, that's if it's in within twelve points, you're doing the stall tactics. You're doing the make yeah. your free throws tactics. So I think what I'm really saying is, I think it's a balance between for both college bas- uh, college football and the NBA. It's how quickly can we get through this. And how do we keep it competitive, right? And so if you're... So if there's a if pace com- and a flow to yeah, it. Yeah, but if your competitiveness is kind of waning, like, I don't know, 12 points average margin of victory in an NBA game on any given night, you need to make sure it flies. You really... Because I'll be honest with you, man. Like, last night, not as big of a deal. But when it's a... When you see games slow down at the end of the game and the game is a 20-point game, and it, now this is becoming a different conversation... But when those games take two and a half hours versus 215, it is unwatchable. No matter if you're a Cavs fan or you're a Wolves fan or you're an OKC fan or you're a Miami fan. Then I think that's I, – I just think there's – I think that's the concern if you're NBA executives or TV executives. It's the push and pull of can we make this as watchable as possible and can we make this as competitive as possible. And I don't think – like. If if the if the slow them down and follow them route, if that worked fifty percent of the time, I'd shut my fat ass up and I'd get through it. It doesn't. It it was it had a place in the NBA's in the in the in the NBA in the nineties when, when Shaq was playing. It worked well, and not just that. I mean, in the nineties when every game was decided by seven points or eight points per game, you knew when they went to hack a Shaq, things were about to get interesting. Uh, as a number one Shaq fan. On the station, I listen. I love zero. Shaq. I will not tolerate any <laughs> hack a shack uh, discussion. It was bush league. You guys just couldn't handle the it fact was that the strategy. man strategy that the diesel was a was a full load. Eric, welcome to the show. What you got for us? I got an idea for how to uh, speed up the pace of the game, and it'll kind of fix uh, a lot of the stuff. Which is put simply, you go to a soccer format. Like I watched a lot of the World Cup, both the women's and the men's, and basically the clock doesn't stop unless the team calls timeout. The the clock just keeps rolling. How so, would you handle substitutions in the NBA where that where you got to handle like defensive assignments? It's a shorter court. Um, how would you handle stuff like that? Uh, you'd have to call a timeout. You want subs? Call time. Uh, okay, so I okay, so here's the thing. I like the creativity, so I give you credit on that, Eric. I will say. I don't like American sports stealing stuff from soccer, which makes me sound like just the biggest, most ignorant uh, American in his. I don't care on this on this specific thing. I'll be the ignorant I, American. I'll be honest with you. I the extra time thing would drive me nuts. Like yes, the, trying to trying figure, to figure, out, figure how, it out how yeah. they compute the extra time because when I'm watching a when I'm watching a soccer game or a European football game, uh, I'm constantly watching the clock to hit that 90 minute mark, yeah. and then. 
when it gets to like 89 minutes, I'll be like, ooh, it's almost over. And then I remember, oh, crud. Yeah. Yeah, They're about to add extra time to the back end of the So the other thing that I don't know that it works is I I think there have to be natural quick stopping points. Yeah. Like like possession changes um, or coming off uh, uh, free throws. I think there have to be that because if you were trying to run guys in in that short of a court – and do what and, hockey and, does line change. Well, yeah, but my point is like, we're worried about guys getting hurt, soft tissue damage in the NBA I mean, going hey, from sitting on a bench to like running fast into the, like to defend or on the offense, whatever it is. Dude, how cool would it be to have line changes as the play is going on? Like subbing out Donovan Mitchell as the play's going hey, on. No, this, we finally reached a point where even the folks with ADHD like myself could not keep up with it. <laughs> We'd reach a point where it would just be That's unwatchable. That's my proposal. That That's, the N, that the NBA institute line changes. And we're gonna call that'll it, speed things up. We're gonna call it the Daryl Ryder screw your hamstrings uh, rate of play change. There two one six four seven four double oh nine two embellishment or style of play at the end of the games. Bigger issue in the NBA. I don't want to use this to to actually denigrate the kid because the kid is having an MVP type season. But like today. Um, Monica, Monica McNutt on ESPN had said, all right, who's your who's your MVP candidate halfway into the season? And she mentioned SGA, uh, Shea Gilgis-Alexander. By the way, having a tremendous season. And OKC is one of the best teams in the NBA. It's not about him, but it's like, all right, you clearly didn't want to say Giannis. You didn't want to say Tatum. You didn't want to say Brown. You, do, uh, you can't say Embiid. You didn't want to say Jokic. So clear, or Luca, who was having a phenomenal season, you were looking for an other candidate, and then you went to a guy who's done it for two years, and Donovan's been doing it at this level for the last five years. So there was like, there's a part of me that's like, okay, that's a moment you can just say Donovan Mitchell. If you're looking for it, go to Donovan Mitchell. So I agree with Brad Doherty, who joins us now on the North Olmstead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. I'm sorry, Brad, you got me, you got me vibing here. I kept you on hold for longer than than uh, attended, bud. That's okay. That's okay. I, I'm liking what you. I'm picking up what you're laying down, and uh, you're absolutely right. Um, you know, we we continue to, to see these shows and things like that, and you try not to pay too much attention to them anyway. But it's just unfair. Uh, you know, I watch basketball every day, every night. I watch a lot of games, and yeah, Che Che Gildas is unbelievable. He's had an unbelievable year. Jokic is phenomenal. Uh, all of these guys they mentioned are phenomenal, but no one has done what Donovan Mitchell's done uh, over the last 25 games with a team that was basically, uh, you know, several weeks ago looking at the potential of being less than 500. But once you lose two of the most, you know, significant players in the league and Darius Garland and Evan Mobley, uh, Donovan put this team on his back and not just through his scoring, but through his play. That's what I keep trying to talk to people about is, He's having a career year in assists. Uh, he's one of the league leaders in steals. Uh, he runs the offense a lot of night as a, as a point guard. He has to initiate. So he's not looking for his shot. He's looking for someone else's opportunity. And no one's done that. And we win, you know, we win all these games, man. You know, it, it's unbelievable what we've done as a, as, a, as an organization, as a basketball team. And he just is absolutely – I'm looking at some of these guys, and I know these guys really well. I've worked with them. I did – NBA tonight for years for ESPN worked for those fine folks and I know what the narrative is I know what the ideology is you know you got to obviously have ratings and those types of things but some of these people have him ninth in their list I mean how did I mean I, that that makes no sense 
And uh, one of the one of the guys who, who sits on the panel of the NBA Today show, I called him and I said, "Look, this is how in the world can you have this conversation and not mention Donovan Mitchell?" And the first thing he said to me is, "Well, you know, his playoff history's not been great." I said, "This is a regular season award. What are you talking about?" And and I love Luca. I think he's fantastic. But has his playoff history been that much better than Donovan's? So I just I don't know. I, it just aggravates me. It's always been that way though. Uh, with Cleveland, we never get a lot of respect, um, and and uh, it, it just is what it is. But to, to overlook Donovan Mitchell and what he's doing, I think Donovan Mitchell's the best player in the game. That's just my opinion. What's it going to take uh, for the game? Yeah, Sorry. and is it biased? Yeah, it's biased because I get to watch him every day. I see what he does, and uh, but I just it just it's difficult, very difficult. What's it going to take for them to get that respect? Oh, it, 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 they're going to have to go you know, second round of playoffs and play really, really well. Uh, you know, when we went through the playoffs last year, we didn't play well and got ousted by a, a Knicks team that was okay. You know, it wasn't great. And everyone saw that after us winning 50 games and said, well, you know, it's, it's just typical Cleveland, uh, which is unfair because we had, we had five guys who were playing significant minutes who'd never played a playoff minute. So uh, this year we got to get in that second round. We got to be in that second round, and it's got to go deep in that second round. I think if we do that, it changes that narrative drastically. But I think, you know, there's been enough gain that's been raised over the last two weeks uh, on these narratives that, you know, you got to stand there tonight. And Doris Burke was giving me a hard time. She says you're going to single-handedly put Donovan Mitchell on the uh, on the on the on the talk shows as far as putting him in the bullseye. I said, absolutely, if I have to, because it's just hard to sit back and watch this. It's not fair. It's just not fair at all to him, a young man who's working his rear end off to be the best player in the game and just having people poo-poo him. It's not fair. Brad Doherty on the North Homestead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. So uh, it's still early in this conversation, but do you think Evan Mobley's three-point game is here to stay? Yeah, I do. You know, I, I think it's, it's really interesting. This has been a unique season. I've never seen anything like this. You know, when we lost Evan and 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 Darius, I mean, I was the first one to say, "Man, we're 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 gonna, we're in a lot of trouble. We're in a lot of trouble," uh, because we had kind of struggled a little bit right up until those two got hurt. We're trying to get people consistently in the rotation and whatnot. But I mean, JB Bickerstaff just sat down and came up with an incredible game plan, something that he didn't really want to do, and that's not the way he was taught to coach by just freeing up the offense and spreading the floor and attacking people. And what that's, what that's done is Darius and Evan both have sat and watched this and seen the success. And so both of these guys are young, uh, very high IQ basketball players are saying, hey, i got to fit into this, and how will I fit in? And, and I said it two weeks ago, this is going to be the best thing that's ever happened to Evan Mobley because I think the way he was playing, he was, it was going to be hard for him to get a whole lot better because he was kind of being pushed into a certain box that he had to play in every night in order for us to have success. Well, with the depth of shooting we have on the floor now, I think Evan can develop his mid-range game, which is the most important thing, and that's going to make him a dominant player. He would take threes last year, and I thought they were ill-advised because they would just be kind of a three-point shot where he would take it just because it was deep in the game and maybe he hadn't shot a three, just as kind of a heat check. He's taking three-point shots now when he's wide open and he realizes he can make that shot, and it could be a, 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 a moment-altering shot, and he's making them. 
And that just that little bit of a difference is huge for a basketball player as far as the next level of growth. And for Evan, that's to become an all-pro type basketball player, which I think he will. Brad, when you talk about getting to the next level, you know, J.B. Bickerstaff said last night that Evan's the type of player who can score six points, be the most impactful player on the floor. You talked about his three-point shooting and his approach to that. Talk to him in the locker room after the game. He used the word confidence a lot. You know, J.B. giving him the, the love gives him confidence. Seeing, uh, yeah. you know, he's eight of his last 13 from beyond the arc, that gives him confidence. Um, as a former player... How can Evan really develop that confidence to where he's no longer seeking confidence, he just is confident? Yeah, yeah, that, that, that comes through, you know, just being aware. I think the biggest thing and the hardest thing for players, and I, I, I give Kobe Altman and JB a lot of love for letting me be around these guys and talk to them a little bit because of the thing that you don't recognize sometimes as a player, what separates really good players from great players is that, you know, great players know that they're really, really special. And and that comes through your work. You know, guys sometimes work just to work. Well, if that, that becomes, you know, and, and it's habits, no doubt about it. But you need to understand as a professional athlete that if you're working your rear end off, and, I, and a great example to me is Isaac Okoro. This is a guy that shoots a thousand shots a day. You know, he shoots a thousand shots a day. And you're starting to see him make these shots consistently. And that's what Evan, that's what even Donovan sometimes, you know, you, you need to remind him to remind him, hey, you're doing the work. No matter what anyone else says, no matter what the pundits say, no matter what anybody else says, you're doing the work. And if you just trust that, that's good enough everything that's supposed to happen will happen. And so that's the thing for Evan. Knowing, you know, hearing all the conversation about him being the unicorn and all that stuff, that's fine. But me seeing him in the weight room working extra, me seeing him working extra on putting his elbow in the right position to shoot that three-point shot, those are the types of things you have to realize as an athlete. Those are the intangibles that separate you. You know, and everyone in the NBA is good. Let's just, everyone in the NFL is good. Everyone in Major League Baseball is good. <clears throat> but you separate yourself through your work ethic, and, and, and that's what he's established. And recognizing that, you can't let people take that from you. When you have a bad game or you're struggling as a team and the riders and everybody starts jumping on you, and it's always easy to sit and say, well, they didn't do this and they didn't do that. Well, it's different when you're on the court. You may be trying to do that. But the other team may be better, just better than you are, and they negate that. So understanding those intangibles is what gives you the opportunity to be the best player that you can be. And you got to remember, man, this guy's just second year in the league. He, it's unbelievable what he can become. And he needs to realize that he is the best. He's going to be the best. I'm the greatest player on the floor when I walk on the floor. I impact the floor like no one else, and it's because of my work. So he'll get there, no doubt about it. Brad, one of the things we talked about after last year's uh, playoff exit uh, was toughness, both mental toughness, yeah. physical toughness. Are the Cavs a mentally and physically tougher team this year? Yeah, I think that's the most important thing. And when you're talking tough, I think you got to really, you know, really, really make sure you, that people understand what you're talking about. I mean, toughness is not about knocking a guy down or, or cheap shotting a guy. Toughness is about executing. 
So, and, and that's where the mental part, the mental toughness becomes more important than the physical toughness. Everybody, you know, people sit, sat and watched us play against New York last year, and, you know, they're like, well, Robinson knocked our guys around. He got all those offensive rebounds, blah, blah, blah. That all happened because we didn't execute. The lights were too bright, and we were hesitant, and we were in between. Toughness is about being able to execute under pressure. That's what being tough is all about, and that's where we're working towards. You know, I, I, don't, I don't ever like to hear guys talk about and stuff proclaim themselves as being tough. That, that's not if, – if, if you're doing that, then there's a problem. You know, uh, what you want to see is guys go out and actually do it and do, ha, have the execution, have the discipline when things are going south to make the right play. You know, and sometimes the right play doesn't always work out, but you make the right play. And I think we saw that a little bit against, you know, uh, against Philadelphia. Uh, Philadelphia came out – it's the first time this year I've seen a team really go at us physically. They went at us, and they were going at Jared and Evan, even though those guys blocked six or seven shots. They still kept going at us. And Nick Nurse had a phenomenal game plan. He, he made sure that when Sam Merrill was in the game, he didn't get a chance to breathe. He made him put that basketball on the floor every time. And, and Maxie going at us. And, and what that did is it knocked us back on our heels a little bit. And I, and I told John Michael, I said, they're, 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 they're attacking us like no one's ever attacked us. Let's see how we respond. And we figured it out, but we just figured it out a little bit late in that game. But you saw the effort in the last two minutes of that game. We almost won that basketball game. And I think that's a light bulb moment. Last night was a light bulb moment. We didn't play our best basketball, but we still won the game because we did the little things right. And, and to answer your question, yeah, I do see that. I do see that getting better and becoming more dense as far as being tough enough to succeed in the postseason. The postseason is about half-court basketball, like we learned last year. You know, the freedom of movement is restricted. The game is called a little bit differently. And so you've got to score in that 15-, 18-foot area, sometimes in that 10-foot area consistently. And we just did not do that last year. And, and we got our tails kicked on the backboard. And that's just a pride thing. So uh, I'm expecting much more out of this this, this young basketball team as we're going to the playoffs this year. And I think, I think our fans are going to be very, very proud of this team when we get to the playoffs this year. Brad, I could listen to you talk about the Cavaliers in basketball for <laughs> hours at a time. We appreciate your time, sir. Uh, great stuff, yeah. and we're looking, for, uh, looking forward to a very exciting second half run by the Cavaliers here. Thanks so much. Hey, thank T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Yeah, thank you very much. Thanks for having me.
Brad Doherty, their Cavs legend, Bally Sports Cavs analyst on the North Homestead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. Kind of got me fired up on the Cavs there. Great stuff with Brad Doherty. We're going to react to that in a second here. But we got the Pulse coming up in just about 40 minutes with Keith. We do have Albert Breer at 520, as we do every single Thursday. And you can now hear full clips of our local shows at 92.3 The Fan and on the free Odyssey app. So now you have the option of listening to a specific chapter labeled by our producers or listen to an entire show. Download the free Odyssey app now and take the time to listen to the most local sports talk in all of Ohio right here on 92.3 The Fan. So I got to say, like, got me going a little bit. Kind of got me bought into the idea that this team is going to be a little bit more prepared, a little bit tougher maybe for the playoffs. I'm ready to run over to the field house right now and watch another game. Yeah. <laughs> After yeah. listening to Brad. Um yeah, yeah. I I mean and that also came up last night uh in the locker room that uh, Donovan Mitchell was asked, Chris Fedor uh, asked the question about, you know, reputations, reputations and to be honest about the reputation after the, the next playoff losses that you guys were not uh, strong enough physically uh, and otherwise. And Donovan, and, and, you know, so are you guys more so this year? And Donovan smiled and like he just wanted to jump out of his shoes and say, heck yeah, we're, we're a lot more tough. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he just like was, ah, what the heck? Why not? Yep, we are. We're, we're tough, but th- they're going to have to show it come April. But I, I do feel like, Nick, um, to the conversation we had a couple of days ago about you know the Cavs maybe not winning the way uh, you em- as emphatically yeah. at times as you would like to see them win or or, or dro- just practicing good habits, which is the LeBronism that we carry over now. Right. Um, I I feel like last night's game was a mentally tough win because mm-hmm. it's the game before the All Star break, and I'm not making excuses for them. Mm-hmm. They didn't shoot well in the first half. And and I don't know necessarily that I agree 100% with J.B. Bickerstaff when he said after the game, it, it wasn't a matter of us not playing well in the first half. It was we weren't making shots. Yeah, you weren't making shots, but I also think that you weren't making shots because you weren't playing well either. Um, well, I think I, I don't think they were taking the best three-pointers, right. which was because they weren't playing well, and, right. and that led to them not they, hitting all their three-point it, shots. It, it was as if they wanted to get their 35 to 40 three-pointers jacked up before halftime. Yeah. Before they headed, but and that has know, been that. I mean, honestly, that's been one of their quote unquote bad habits this right. year. Is well, They're we don't really want to do the taking them. Yes, well, and and we don't really want to do the dirty work today. We just want to end this game at the half, so we can go ahead and, and you know the, the starters will be out in the second half, and we can play Sam Merrill with uh, Z- Zaire uh, Smith and uh, Dean Wade and get all the you know the the eleventh man through the fifteenth man on the the court. Well, you didn't have Merrill or Dean Wade last night, so That's right. maybe that was part of the problem. <laughs> but I, I I'm kidding, by the way. Uh, I got you. Um, but yeah, I, I just I feel like that that was a mentally tough second half that they played. Uh, they were down seventeen. It took them all the way until the fourth quarter. George and Yang's three pointer to give them their first lead in the game, and then it became a back and forth affair. I mean, uh, Chicago led from the opening jump all the way up until that point in the fourth quarter. Then we had nine ties and seven lead changes. Like it just turned into a heavyweight fight down the stretch. And the Cavaliers found a way to get it done. Kobe White was also on one last night. Yes, if Kobe he was. White doesn't go off for 30 plus points last night, uh, that game probably is over at not the start only, of the fourth. Not only was he on one, Nick, I mean, he was really, really on one when you talk about that performance. Now just don't tell me about the embellishment again. I can't go back to it. Okay, if I go back to it, I'm going to spend the next hour griping, griping about, about it. 
I mean, we need something in between Kobe White gets breathed on and flops and Isaiah Stewart knocking guys out in the tunnel. Well, we'll see the Can problem- I just get some happy medium between those two things? But the issue is when you breathe on Kobe White, his hair moves. Still what so are you going to do? I mean, as a man with, uh, with widow's peaks and thinning hair, I just, God love you, Kobe. That is just some, <laughs> that's some lettuce on top of that head, man. Good for him. I hope they're giving out wigs. Remember like the Cavs did for Anderson Verichel? They should totally give out Kobe White wigs. I Chicago. told you, I want to see Jarrett. Jarrett's got the best fro in the game. 100%. I, I want to see Jarrett just let it go. Isaac Okoro, honorable mention now. Uh, that is fair. Kobe, I, I, guys, I know he's a Chicago Bull. It works. It really does work. It's like Sly Stones in like 1972. It's awesome. It's its own character. Right. I love it. I, I'm really. Except I, for when he's playing the Cavs and using it to draw flowers. Well, yeah, but the point was, let's not, we're not blaming the fro, right? That was on Kobe. Let's not, let's, 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 let's not, let's not embellish. But no, on the, the fro. It, 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 it can, supporting actor. Okay. Um, I, I don't know anything else, like makeup artist. I don't know. Like I'm just trying to think of other Oscars that they could best, win. Best performance in a supporting role. So Kobe White's hair. Here's what I'm starting to buy into. I think there are going to be matchups where other teams come in and they push around Evan and they push around Jarrett and they push around Darius. I think Donovan's tougher to push around than we give him credit for. But I think this year you do have – so much of the NBA when you're young is you need to have guys that show you the way. And like – Last night was a really good reminder. You got some great minutes out of George and Yang. And I, listen, it doesn't look pretty. He really has his struggles to defend some of the quicker guys. He, he, that, I mean, they picked on him all night. They were targeting him with Kobe White all night because Kobe is so quick. Here's the point, though. He was still giving you what you needed, right. which was push me around, I, I, I push and you dare back. you. And I think Struess has given you that at that point this year. I think Tristan, assuming he comes back, Tristan was giving you that early. So, like, what I look at it now is, hey, okay, uh, Evan's getting pushed around a little bit. Put Yang in. Hey, um, Darius is getting pushed around a little bit. Put Struess in. Because now what this goes back to the options. We've raved about, wow, JB has so many options this year when it comes to scoring. In toughness, we have the same thing. You didn't have a – not necessarily uh, – not not a mole, not a not a not an enforcer, yeah, not an enforcer or a or a cleaner like, but you do have or a fixer. Al- although uh, Okoro joked in the locker room last night that Yang was the enforcer, so we go over to Yang, talk to him about the little dust up with White, whatever, and then uh, mention, oh yeah, by the way, uh, we just got told you're the. He goes, well, it came from Isaac, so he's totally being a smart <laughs> aleck about it, you know. Well, but I do think like, so that's the physical. Uh, George does uh, George and Tristan give you physical toughness. And I think a guy like Struess isn't afraid to get chippy, but he also comes from Miami where you've got to be mentally tough. Right. And so I think, like, I, I still think for the next couple playoff rounds, I still think there's it's going to feel uneven. I just think it's natural that it would. But I think when it comes to can you learn, well, now you've got the guys to teach you. Now in the playoffs, if, if Jarrett's getting pushed around, well, Evan, you're going to bigs, or maybe Tristan comes in, and all of a sudden that, that stuff stops. Like, I really think that's an interesting wrinkle. I don't know what it means definitively that they'll be as tough, right? Because, again, tough you learn to be tough, right? You, you develop thick skin. You develop mental toughness. But I think at least now you have some guys on this roster that can give you some of that weight that you need, either physically or mentally, to snap out of it. And more importantly, just to support Donovan. 
Yeah. Like, cause I think that's what happened. I think I, I don't want to say he stopped trusting his teammates in the postseason because it's clear there's a lot of love there. But I don't I think Donovan stopped believing those guys were ready. And I think Donovan was exhausted from trying to do it all himself and put it after playing like 36 or 37 minutes per game last year, which was kind of a, a little spike in how many minutes he was playing per game in his career. So, like, I think now you have the guys of, hey, if you guys don't snap out of it, it's not we got to keep you out there. Nope. All right. I don't know if this lineup's going to work, but Isaac, get your ass out of there. Right, get your ass out there. Yang, get your ass out there. TT, get your ass out there. Max, get your ass out there. Karis, get your ass out there. And I think that's the kind of stuff that can just keep Donovan fresh right. so he's not wearing under the physical toll of are we physically tough enough or maybe are we still kind of growing mentally as a young team. Yeah, and I, I think that Evan um, – I, I really liked what Brad Doherty had to say about Evan Mobley and his growth and learning and understanding that he is – uh, the best player on the floor, even mm -hmm. though he's playing alongside Donovan Mitchell, right? And we're we're not taking by saying that we're not putting Mitchell down, but like it's it's but in 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 his own head, you know, to JB's point that Bickerstaff made after the game about, hey, you know, Evans the most impactful player on the floor, even if he only gives me six points in a game. And then Evan talking about, yeah, you know, hearing that from JB gives me confidence. And, you know, he wanted me to take these threes, and, and, and so I'm taking them. And it's, it's really helping my confidence that some of those shots are starting to fall and they're going down. And, and like, he I, – I, I think that that's the next thing from – once he believes, right? LeBron James believes he's the baddest you-know-what on the floor when he's on the floor, right? Evan needs to get to that level. I'm not saying like be at LeBron's actual playing level, MVP caliber yeah. level, but I'm talking like mentally when he's on the floor, I'm the baddest dude on the floor. You ain't stopping me. Good luck trying. Here I come. Right. And then on the defensive end, I dare you to come get me because I'm going to come get, I'm, I'm coming after you. Like just having that mentality. And I don't know, and I don't mean this to be a criticism. I don't know that Evan is there yet. I kind of feel like he's being pointed in that direction, if that makes sense. So you guys can actually see the full video Daryl's talking about and, and listen to the audio of Evan talking about confidence and being um, kind of emboldened by the Cavaliers at right or wrong FAN, if you guys want to listen to that. We'll play the audio later in the show as well. But I think what's so interesting is we're so used to, in the association, guys just coming in and being more confident than they deserve to be. And so I think when you see a kid that comes in, and I think Evan is really smart, and I think he's really like a good kid. And it's not – it's I, confidence may or may not be the right word, but where you can tell he just needs to grow into that. And that's something that might not be – people have talked about what is it – what's the word um, authoritative and how he plays. Like I think it's not a have or have not. It is, a, okay, this is an area where you need to be coached up and grow into it. And so that might require a little bit of patience. That doesn't mean the payoff can't be as great. And so I just think, like, I think Evan's in a really good spot. And I you, I will give JB credit for that as a guy that has criticized JB. Like, you've got him in a good spot. And you are slowly but surely building the confidence. And if you can get that mid-range in three, if you can start to just keep it there as a threat, that's the kind of thing that not only if he has that in the playoffs will you start to see him soar, 
but I think if he soars, uh, as he soars, so do the Cavaliers. I think the Chiefs did ruin my dream for the Browns yesterday, and it was Chris Jones. And obviously, the uh, the parade celebration yesterday became known for the wrong reasons, and what was a uh, a very special time was cut short because of the actions of uh, a few dastardly, disrespectful people. But to, to kind of put this back to what actually happened in the parade, um, Chris Jones has been kind of the guy that I've been thinking about as the guy. And he's going to be a free agent this offseason. They can tag him, but tagging him would be uh, a one-year gigantic hit in Kansas City. And then, so I've been thinking, like, man, if they don't tag him, I'll give that guy $30 million a year to come play next to Miles Garrett. Well, yesterday... Early in the parade, a very um, lubricated Chris Jones uh, may have put that to bed. We ain't done yet. We ain't done yet. Kansas City, we will be back here next year. And for those who want Chris Jones go, I ain't going nowhere, baby. (laughs) I will be here this year. All right. I think he's doing the Wolf of Wall Street thing there where he says, I ain't going nowhere. Like he's doing the Leo thing. The show goes on. Yeah, I think I think he's doing that. But. It has been wild to see the reaction to Chris Jones. Uh, you you said something I didn't expect, by the way, which was? He's no Jason Kelsey at the Eagles parade. So you're talking about a completely sloshed Jason Kelsey who had the crowd eating out of his hand. Yes. Um, and, I, and had one of the greatest parade costumes in history. I think I think he did just fine. I think he kind of walked a lot. It's very, one. The woos are really funny. Yeah, his woos because he actually we we chopped that down. They, whoever put that in, there's actually a 51 second version of that where there are multiple versions of Chris Jones, drunker than you know what, screaming at about five seconds a clip kind of rate. Like the man has some gigantic lungs here, but it it does open. So so the, by the, the voice, way, the voice was hanging on for dear life. It was. It was. I would like to point out, I don't like your cynic- your cynicism with it. I don't like it. No. We're, we're because not to the I, point. Because, I, because I'm comparing it to the greatest uh, Super Bowl parade yeah, like sp- it, performance of all time. Everything pales in comparison yes. to what Jason Kelsey does. Yes. But the point is. That's the standard. Live uh, up to the standard. I mean, I I seem, we, there was a lot of kind of I mean, mid- he gets extra credit for trying to channel a little uh, Jordan Belfort there. I, okay. You remembered the Cavs. You remember the Cavs on the on the dais as they yes, were. Yes, they we we had to dump half the speech yes. from LeBron because and, and half the, the speech Tiger we couldn't dump getting, because we had to. Yeah, <laughs> Tiger kept getting out of the cage. Yeah. Um, I think what's interesting is now, I do wonder whether Chiefs fans are going to hold him to this because I'm a firm believer. Yes, that what is he, said. He went Miami Heat. Not one, not two. Yeah, but they were three. sober. This oh, is well. this is like. I learned which, a, which makes that all that more absurd. The fact that they did all that sober. Well, no. Oh, okay. Yeah, that is absurd. I thought you were saying it makes it more absurd how drunk he was. No, I was like, no, no that's no, actually no, pretty no, fitting. No, 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 no. Well, no I'm I, talking about the Heatles. So I just don't think I learned a long time ago. You can't really hold somebody that is that inebriated accountable for their words. 
Uh, they the words still hurt. Uh, so do their fists. But in this specific case, like he said what he said. Like if, if you if you're a Chiefs fan, and I thought his agent had the perfect response. He tweeted out, "Cut him off." He's had too much to drink. I thought that was really Close funny. Close his tab. Uh, it stops being funny in two weeks when all of a sudden the Chiefs and his agent are fighting over how much Chris Jones is going to make for the next three to four years. Yeah. It, uh, there's no way in hell, just be real honest, there's no way in hell that he can even sober be able to say, 100% I'm back. Well, I don't think there's any way in hell he can walk it back. Oh, How so? I, you, I was drunk. It, tube's out of the toothpaste, man. So wait, he's got to accept any offer now. Just say it. I say, do you really I, think I'm, not, I'm, I'm being not, asked? Listen, do, wait. I'm do not, you think I, he gave the Chiefs leverage? Might have. I mean, listen. I think it all depends if Chris I, Jones. I, I, listen, I think he's going to regret the inebriated, emotional response of wanting to stay in Kansas City and pledging to stay in Kansas City. And yeah, I kind of do think that because that clip is being played on on a loop that, yes, Chiefs fans are going to hold him to it. If, so, he, if he leaves, I don't think Chiefs fans going to take that. Real, they're, they're going to take it as, you lied to me. All right, so. You you took advantage of my emotions in the moment. I'm going to go to the obvious thing. We're not going to play the Donovan audio now, but Donovan was asked last night post-game, after the game on the Four Letter Network, about his future, and he kind of gave like a, if I, I wouldn't even, you know, I, how can I even answer that now and, how could you even be sure I was being sincere? Which was an artful dodge of the question. It was wonderful. It was honestly a master's class in PR. But if Donovan had come out yesterday and said, uh, I'm not leaving, if he had gone full Jordan Belfort, yeah, fans would have taken that to the bank. Now, I don't think there's the same kind of concern with NFL players that there are. Like, I think, especially in Cleveland, we have legitimate anxiety about players leaving, even when they're under contract. Yeah, because what happens? Well, players always leave. Well, but I mean, especially in the NBA. Like, like Jose Ramirez, I think, is the first player in the longest time to not leave. Well, but like... I think To like be all in, to commit and be all in. Jose Ramirez is, I think, the first player in generations. That's fair. In, Albert in Bell terms left, of Jim baseball Tom- or uh, all of NBA. Them. Uh, Jim Tully different. I mean, LeBron Joe. left, like, I just... But with the way the NFL is set up, it's a little different. But in yeah. terms of Major League Baseball and the uh, sorry, in terms the of only MLB, reason why Deshaun Watson's here and all in because he got two hundred thirty million dollars. I don't think it's because he loves Cleveland, Ohio. Yet, give him time. Oh, okay, he'll grow to love this town. But I do think it's interesting. Like, I think that I, the Donovan comparison ties into that anxiety in the NFL. It's kind of like, well, yeah, we love you, but like, I don't think there's the 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 shock when a player leaves a team, unless it's a quarterback. Like, if Chris Jones left, I'm sure Chiefs fans would be pissed. I'm sure they would play that on a loop. But I don't think it would be like if when when LeBron is left in Cleveland or when – I'm trying to think of, like, the equivalent of a really good – maybe No, not. to be on that level, it'd have to be a Patrick Mahomes type of – which it, he's yeah. not – but, like, if Patrick Mahomes were to leave in free agencies, that would be, you know, or he, Pat was like – redo my contract or trade me type of a thing, right? Like, it's not on that level. But, yeah, I mean, you, you, I don't care if you're drunk or three sheets to the wind or sober or whatever. When you make a promise, you should live up to your promises. Right, so so you're drunk. 
All right, you, 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 you've been seeing a, a little filling. You aren't now. I'm just giving you the, the parameters of this hypothetical. Okay. And you get drunk. Because like, I love answering nothing more than hypotheticals. Yes. Continue. Uh, that's sports talk. Welcome to the game. Um, but, or welcome to the fan. <laughs> um, <laughs> the game's a different stage. Uh, all right, so you're you're drunk. You, you got a filly you've been dating. I don't know why I keep calling them fillies. They're not horses. Um, you've got a young person, young lady. God, I'm butchering the hell out of this. Uh, you got a young lady you've been dating. I, I almost said something that would have gotten me in a lot of trouble. I'm I'm walking the line. Me and Chris Jones <laughs> oh, right no. now. And I, I, I'm I'm the sober one allegedly. I, I am letting you walk that line right. all by yourself. I'm, I'm landing the plane right now. You've been seeing a beautiful woman. I'm getting age doesn't go. matter. She's not a filly. A beautiful woman. You get drunk and you say, oh, "I'm gonna marry you." Does that mean you gotta go buy a ring? You wake up the next morning. Probably. But no, 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 not at all. You, you want to know why? Because she's going to remember. Yeah. Well, okay. But the point is, and it's going to be used against me. She's for going to the say he was drunk. Uh, that's not a real proposal. That does not. That does not. That there. It's no binding it's term. A, if said when drunk. But at some point, she will be expecting a a legitimate sober proposal. I, no, nah, I, I disagree. I do not concur. Do, do you speak from experience here, Nick? I've said a lot of dumb things drunk that I have had to walk back. I was going to say, you've said a lot of dumb things sober, too. I do. I'm just really good. And maybe it's not the booze. Uh, use the Rewind app. <laughs> yes. Use the Rewind app. Or listen the, to Friday Fails. Or listen. Well, that failed. But getting to the greater point here, uh, th- Chris Jones is a dude that literally had the most uncomfortable holdout in recent NFL history. If you think he's going to hold himself to these words, you are incredibly mistaken. This is a dude who forgot about them this morning. He woke up and he's like, why are you sending me that? There's no way in hell he sticks to this. I I think I now am actually rooting for him to go elsewhere, Cleveland, just because I want to see the reaction and people play that time and time again, just so I can say, are you really dogging a drunk dude for something he said when he was seven sheets to the win? Yep, I am. I'm starting to get to a point where... So many weird and fluky things have happened around Cleveland home openers. I, I think I want a 30 for 30 for it. Like now the guardians have now had to do two different adjustments around the eclipse, which I am already eclipsed out. We are, we are what is it? Is it two months away from the eclipse? I am a little eclipsed out. Like I, I can't see another damn bo- billboard about you should spend the eclipse in Wycliffe. No, no, no. No, come to Menor. That's where you should eclipse it. Like, ah, it's the eat. Go to the west side. Like, oh, my God. Guys, these things happen. All right? I'm not I'm not a big weather-related or or I'm interested in astronomy. But like, So when when's it, the last total solar eclipse you saw there, Nicholas? 1972. I don't care. <laughs> Mostly because, like, I, you don't see an eclipse. Literally, the whole point of an eclipse is, Keep your ass or keep your eyes on the ground and keep your ass on the ground too while we're at it. Like the, how how do you enjoy an eclipse? If you have the proper glasses, you can really enjoy the eclipse. But oh look, there's oh look, there it is. Oh, I can't oh that's blocking it. Up, oh, up, oh, it keeps going. Up, oh, up, oh, no, it's the light blocking it, guys. Oh my god, it's over. What what's the event? You're such an angry person. I'm not angry. There's no anger. I just don't get it. Like I, what is what? How, how like what is the the hubbub 
around like it's a celestial when do you cheer when this, do you cheer this go uh, totality that's when you cheer you cheer the whole time no a the, standing no, ovation no totality when it's directly when the moon is directly aligned over the sun and there's the halo okay so how do you cheer yeah like, I don't know. You clap. I don't know. Well, no. Like, can you give us an example of it? I mean, just if you're just standing in your yard watching. Are you supposed to clap? Yeah. Like, is it, just do you whatever only cheer you do. With crowds? Just some advice. Whatever you do, don't do what a former president did and stare directly into the sun without eye protection. Make I mean, sure you have. Yeah, there's there some people out there you'd want to do that. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, Coming from the guy that won't help out the guy in the gym with the with the, with the tag on the pants, he pr- he actually, maybe he'd see the tag then. Actually, <laughs> I, I actually well, probably I guarantee you, if he stares into the sun, he won't see anything. I actually bet Keith would tell that bastard to stare at the. Hey, you gotta look, make sure to look at the, uh, the <laughs> don't eclipse. miss it. Don't yeah. miss it. Yeah, they say it's not gonna happen again for another I, fifty years. But here's the thing. So I I put out there that Guardians set the home opener time. Where okay, yeah. th- these are the first two responses that I that, that I got uh, on X. First one came from not an MD33. Knowing Cleveland, it'll be snowing and we won't be able to see the solar eclipse. Wait, is there something else going on that day? <laughs> and the second one is from uh, Unity of All. It will probably hard, be hard to see the eclipse in a snowstorm. So, well, but see, I think that was my my bigger point to start here is like there is a, there is a good chance we want to get to see it because it could be cloudy, like, it could be snowing, raining, whatever. We don't know what the weather forecast is. This is, is when be. we had the Cleveland is Cleveland, um, thirty for thirty, and then they had to to to, to like finish it off. They like re edit the end of it, right? Because the Cavs won a title, right? Like I think this is the mother of all. What the hell is going on with the home opener? The, the Scott Rab is a Cleveland fan documentary. You yeah. mean? Yeah, um, yes, that one, but. This one, like I feel like this is the one to end it on. Okay. Ah, here's the 75 you, snowstorms we've had at at home openers. I just here are the feel- other fluky things that have happened, and then an eclipse. Something Finn. bizarre is going to happen on opening day. I I just feel it already, because it's the eclipse <laughs> day. Something weird's going to happen that do you, day. Do you believe in avoiding uh, Friday the 13th? Uh, I definitely don't walk under ladders, and I avoid black cats. Is that a real? Are you are you messing no, with me? Right? No, I'm okay. Messing with you. All right. okay. I, uh, by the way, I want it narrated. I really hate that you saw through my heel playing. I, I saw it. Uh, I, I clearly did not do a good, as good of a job as Kobe White did there on the acting there. I got I got to work on it. It's it's a hair. Got to grow yourself out of fro. I can't. Um, not with that attitude. <laughs> I also want the thirty for thirty. It's got to be a local meteorologist narrating it. I, I will say, Jed Harcher is my vote. There is a lot of pressure on the local meteorologist to get this forecast right for the because it, what I'm going to be the, the forecast right. You mean the actual weather forecast? Yeah, I'm going to be disappointed if I can't see the eclipse. I mean, their job is it's a once it's like a once in a lifetime occurrence. I just said something really nice about one of the most respected and venerable uh, uh, meteorologists in town, and I'm going to go follow it up with um, it's guesswork. It's really sophisticated, scientifically backed guesswork. There's a reason why they're like, eh, 50-50. At this point, if you're like, honestly, uh, hey, these weather apps are great. They're also wrong a lot. So like the amount of times I've been like bracing for 35 degree weather and I walk outside, it's 50. At some point, guys, we just got to understand some things can't be controlled or predicted. So the idea that there's pressure on the weather community in town, like, no. There should be no pressure. A lot of hotels are dependent upon like, that forecast. Because uh, <laughs> I wish it, because I, I don't care how salty or whatever you want to be about the solar eclipse, it's good for the Cleveland economy. I, 
What people are coming. People are booking hotels so that they can be here for the solar eclipse. I've yet to hear it's, one it's, person it's, tell it's me I'm coming to Cleveland because the eclipse. Thing. No, who? No, there actually are events. Lorain County is booking like that's supposed to be like the central spot in Ohio where it's the longest duration. Is this like when Lima I'm said one point three million people? No, and, there are people. And, and Lorain County's like, hey, it's going to be the longest part of the eclipse right here. Be- believe it or not, I, I'm actually serious at times, and this is one of those times where people like. It's a celestial event that there are a lot of people in the world that want to see it. Just because you are not one of them. No, I just. I, I know you're laughing. There are like thousands no, of people no, already I, coming. I, I you just said thousands of people. There are. Like, there's a. They're like, having events based on this. I, I know they are. And I'm not just, just talking about a baseball game. It's baseball just, game it's just based funny, on like, this. Daryl led this part of the conversation saying, it's going to be huge for the Cleveland economy. And then you followed it up by, there are thousands of people coming. They're like well, five thousand people over the the what is it twenty municipalities here as locally. As opposed to a weekday where there would be zero people. Well, yeah, more money's better. I'm just saying, five thousand people across you twenty just townships. You, you just I can't, didn't say five thousand. It's the thousands. I'm, that could mean you just can't wrap yourself 000. around the fact that I'm right that a lot of people want to see the solar eclipse. You just don't happen to be one of them, well, and, and it's fine. You don't have to participate. You know, you're Guess right. One hundred percent. You I'm not being it. on the street to see it. Leaves room for about 20 other people. See, now, why'd you have to go to a fat joke there <laughs> when nobody's apparently going to be downtown because they're all going to be in Lorraine or they're going to no, be No, they're going to be at the it's opening day. Okay, other than that. But they're not going to be right outside <laughs> there where my fat ass uh, might well, stand. Uh, other than that, right, you know. 216-474-0092. Just take the L. Are you planning your opening day around the eclipse? I just, I just don't get it, man. <laughs> Hey, look, there's that thing I either can't look at or needed special this glasses go, this, to see. This goes back to, like, the Mayans or the the, the first two. Yeah. And they were wrong, by the way. <laughs> you biffed it. All right? Yeah, cool. Yes, that's you the know forecast what? they got wrong. You, you know, 13 years back. ago, Mayans were the original meteorologists. Re- and this isn't about meteorologists. I'm not disrespecting. I'm just realizing, like... Earth doesn't well, always play by the rules, all right? We we made it past the Mayan end-of-days forecast. Yeah, we outlived it. I think the Mayans were like, there's no way we make it this long. Like, it, Yeah, they, we know there are more days after this, but guys, we're all going to be gone well they, into this. They looked, they looked uh, down from their pyramid-like temple and just looked at the people and said, yeah, there's no way this society is making I, it that long. I think long. Bob brings up a really good point here. At Nick Wilson says, he says, I'll watch it online. What's the difference between seeing it right in person and watching? Are you going to laugh at me that I, I'm I'm going to go get a filter for my camera so I can take a try and get a great photo of the eclipse? I will not laugh at you. I will secretly judge you in my head. Well, you judge like how me much anyway. does it? How much does it cost? I I'm about to find out. <laughs> Are you going to spend more than a hundred dollars on this thing? Uh, no. The plan is not to spend more than a hundred dollars on it. But will you if push comes to shove? But What's the, most, could, what's the most you would spend on this? Because now I need to know. A hundred bucks. Okay, that's that's still it. But, for one thing. But hang on. If it's a good are enough you photo. Are you going to bequeath it to your heirs so in 50 years they can use it or 75 years they can use it? If you let me respond, I could then sell <laughs> said photos and make some money. On only eclipses? Yeah, because people would buy the photo. You're not right. Yes. Is this, is this TMZ the, meteorologist? Yes. I, I will stand Look at this out. hot picture of the eclipse. Get your official eclipse photos here. And here's some side eclipse for you. Mike, welcome to the show. Just because you are Hello. the eclipse. What you got, buddy? My uh, brother who lives in New York City now. 
Uh-huh. Uh, he's flying into Cleveland for the eclipse. Boom! There you go. How much money is he spending? Now, is he lodging with you, or is it he got a hotel? What What's this going to cost in total? No, he's uh, he's going to lodge with my, my brother in green, but uh, he's using his miles up just so he can see it. All right. Mike, we appreciate you. Tony, welcome to the show. What you got for us? Hey, guys, my wife and I were in New York City two weeks ago for my birthday. Sitting at a random bar, we met some woman from Detroit, and the story is not going to go where you got her minds probably think it's going to go. Be a lot cooler if you did. (laughs) She found out that we were from Cleveland, and she's like, oh, yeah, I'm coming uh, coming down for the solar eclipse. Uh And she's gonna she's making a making a whole thing out of it. She's gonna go to the Rock Hall, all that. So Daryl's right. There's and this is just a random woman we met in New York City, just like totally unplanned. It was uh, just a random occurrence, and we got people telling us that they're coming in. So it, it's it's got to be getting pretty big uh, if for something like that to happen. Was her name like Moonflower? Did she wear like a tin hat? Did could you smell the weed on her? <laughs> No, she was an engineer. She worked for uh, uh, an engineering firm up in Detroit. So she was pretty straight-laced, but she's got money to play with, and she's retired, so nothing to do. And I guess that's how she spends her days, just traveling around doing stuff like that. So. Just got Mac's attention over here. Hey, Tony, yeah, t- t- apparently we got Mac on Cougar Watch over here. Tony, <laughs> he, we appreciate he you. Just, he just perked <laughs> up. Yeah. He was like, ah. He heard money uh, and money, available. Engineer, just traveling around, doing not a damn thing, seeing eclipses. Oh, we finally found. You know what, Mac? The problem is she's not your age. She is. She is double your age. <laughs> so it's a nerd thing. That's what I'm understanding. I am a nerd. I can't. I'm not. I'm not nerd keep shaming. Going, keep going. It's just, I, We're, I need you to take the loss Frank, here. Frank, help me take the L. What you got for us? Uh, well, the, the the eclipse is a rarity. It's a rare event. So you have to realize, since we are in the path of totality, people are going to uh, come here because the clouds and uh, snow won't block out the eclipse. It's going to be dark like midnight, 2 o'clock in the afternoon. You know, hundreds of years ago when I saw that, they thought the end was nigh, you know? Uh, And if it happens on opening day with the Indians, the Guardians, it may be. Uh, Frank, are you drinking gravy while you talk to us? No, I'm not. Uh, I don't uh, imbibe uh, generally. Uh, I have a beer once in a while, you All know, right. here in Kent. Frank, Why? you're a gentleman. Oh, I just want just sounded like you were drinking gravy while talking or, to us. Or doing a Tom Brokaw. I, are we really going to do the path of totality? Yeah, keep, keep this going. sounds like a god-awful Star Wars movie. Yeah, keep going. Star Wars, the path of totality. Keep going. No, that'd be Star Trek. Uh, other Frank, what you got? Now, I was in Charleston for the last eclipse mm-hmm. and i felt a lot like you did nick at the time i thought what's the big deal and my wife wanted my to wife. see it mm-hmm. it is actually a really cool thing to happen when Thank you're you. sitting in the middle of the day and it all of a sudden becomes dark for a few minutes it is really cool so i think you're going to be singing a different tune nick the day after the eclipse you're going to be on air talking about how cool it was Mark my word. All right, Frank, I'm not being condescending for once. Yeah, you are. What is cool about it? Well, I mean, think about it. It's the middle of the day. The sun is bright. It's a bright, sunny day. And all of a sudden, well, not all of a sudden because you see it happening, it is pitch dark. 
it's kind of a weird phenomenon. So to live through it and see it, I'm telling you, it was a lot cooler than I thought it was going to be. And Cat- I'm excited for it to be happen in Cleveland. Cats and Frank, dogs living together, mass hysteria. Frank, we appreciate you, buddy. Um, you know, you guys could just put like a mask on, put like one of those sleep masks on. You could do this artificially. If you just want, like in the middle of the day, you just want the sky to go dark, maybe get some of those like high intense uh, astronaut uh, sunglasses. You can get that. Do you know if you live in certain parts of the world, they, they go months without a sunrise? Apologies to the people of Norway. All right? <laughs> just say it. How many times do we have to teach you this lesson, old man? Patrick, welcome to the show. What you got for us? Hi, um, I'm an Uber driver in Cleveland, and I originally agreed that it wasn't. Good, it's too spread out. But I just drove a guy the other day who does short-term rentals in downtown Cleveland, and between the three events, he said that he's almost 100 percent booked. Mm-hmm. Yep, Patrick, appreciate the call. So here's you, the thing: you you hate that? No, no you I, hate that no, I'm right. I, no, I will take the L on this. As I, usual. I didn't realize. Uh, you're the guy that can't take the L there, Mr. Uh, Mister 31%. Um, listen, the reality is I misunderstood and, mis- and, 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 and maybe underestimated how bleeping weird people are. The, the phone lines are blowing up to talk to us about the eclipse. Let's take one more. Andrew, welcome to the show. Keep handing me my L. Hey, man, I'm just letting you know a couple cool things. First, NCAA and the Greater Sports Commission, Greater Cleveland Sports Commission are in on it. So with the women's Final Four title game being the day before, they're encouraging them all to stay. So Cleveland's already booked up. And then uh, something else that's cool, every minute that we're in total darkness, it's dropping two degrees. So you're going to – I mean, it's already going to be cold as hell anyway. It's April in Northeast Ohio. So it's going to get about 10 degrees colder for about five minutes. Plus, how many times can you say you can see the Big Dipper in the middle of the day in Northeast Ohio? because it's going to be able to be seeing all the stars and all the planets up there. Andrew, I appreciate your insight on this. I will not mock you because that was a very uh, gentlemanly way of explaining that. 216-474-0092. Do you have people coming from out of town to see the eclipse? I would just price gouge the crap out of family members. Of course you can stay. It's 250 a night. <laughs> yeah, we got a spot in the basement for you right there. I- I'm thinking about uh, renting out the backyard on eclipse day. Right by the airport. I have jokes. I'm not going to make them. We got people waiting online. I can't believe you're just going to blow these people off. What? We've We're got... Gonna, we pa- to, we, we, Browns are on the we've, sheet here. We, gonna- we've got packed phone lines. Mm-hmm. Folks wanting to talk about mm-hmm. preparing for a once-in-a-lifetime event mm-hmm. here in Northeast Ohio. I, okay. I just... I need, like... I need, like, the Greater Cleveland Sports Commission to give me the economic report. Like every time we talk about building a stadium in Cleveland, well, why would it be the sports commission? I don't know. I, de- okay, the destina- meteorologist commission. I don't know. Event, it's Nick. destination I don't know. It's Cleveland. I need Mackenzie Bart and Jen Harcher and Andre Bernier. All the I need all the meteorologists to get together and form some sort of cabal, weather cabal. To and then they they got I got I got to know the economic impact because I got Keith throwing out thousands of people. These these people these people have taken valuable time out of their eclipse planning schedules to talk to us about this event, and you're just going to ignore them. 216-474-0092. I just want some specifics. I want to know what's the impact in the Northeast Ohio area. Like, I, I, I want, I, I, we've got generalities. I want specifics now. Jason, welcome to the show. What you got for us? Yeah, so I actually went to the 2017 eclipse in Hopkinsville, Kentucky. Was it hot? 
What was that? Nothing. Go ahead. So I, uh, leaving there, there were so many people that showed up. It took me nine hours on 71 to go from Hopkinsville to uh, around Louisville. And then the traffic from the eclipse didn't break up until sometime after Cincinnati on 71. Okay, so was the juice worth the squeeze? Oh, absolutely. It was one of the most amazing things I've ever seen in my life. So it was five minutes of an eclipse, I'm, I'm guessing, for 12 hours in a car? Oh, yeah. That sounds so like... that, get the trip down. That sounds like hell to me. Jason, I, I thank you. Listen, I've driven four hours to go to a Bucky's and back, okay? So I know something about least surprising news ever. That, but that was that was thirty minutes inside of Bucky's, and as I was driving back, I was full on beaver nuggets. I was full on their great uh the their Texas uh queso burritos. Uh, at least I had that. You can't go. You're not driving 12 hours on a full belly on uh, on a on a clips. I, I'm expecting a proclamation from the mayor's office at this point. That's how big this is. That sounds kind of like something that like uh, more of a career politician would do. Somebody who's into like big proclamations but not actually getting things done. Yeah, that makes sense. Holden, welcome to the show. Hey Nick, uh, I was just looking at the numbers. So we'd all agree that the uh, parade for the Cavs championship was a pretty big deal, right? That is that's correct. Yes. 1.3 yeah, so million people, a lot of people. people. Yeah, 1.3. I just Googled it, and they're expecting 1 million just in Lorain County, which is the main uh, viewing point. And um, they're, cut, so, they're shutting down um, a lot of businesses that are like publicly funded and stuff just because of the traffic. It's so crazy. My sister's coming up from Brownsville, Texas. And speaking of Bucky's, those are awesome places. They're Walmart, gas stations, and Hold, they're awesome. They really are. Hold on. Did you, did you say a million people? People. That's what Google's. Uh, yeah, in Lorain County, that's can, what Google's. Can you here. tweet me this because I would like to. See, I want to get these. I'm. I'm a big do your own research guy, so I want to know yeah. the 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 facts and figures behind uh, the the 2024 eclipse. I, I mean, Keith told us 100%. thousands. Now Holden's telling us a million. Well, yeah. If, if Keith had led with a million, Dude, guys, I maybe you guys I went from thousands. I was like, what? Man, you guys are crazy. Yeah, thank you, I Holden. A million. Yep. We appreciate you. Yeah. If if Keith had said. A million people in Lorraine? I would have been like, oh, dang. All, all I know is that L for you is getting larger by the phone call. I think the L's in Keith. Keith brought us thousands of people, and now Holden's bringing us millions but of people. But you're, you're, you're the one that just doesn't really care about it, any of this. I'm still correct. Millions is, ma- <laughs> millions is made up of thousands, yeah. Nick. <laughs> that is that is the single greatest. As I was trying to move the goalpost on you, that was the single greatest slippery wizard move on this station that wasn't done by Lima himself. Well, yeah, what I meant was thousands of thousands. Clearly, that was implied in the whole thing. Uh, more average than most on Twitter saying, I'm with you. I wouldn't go around the block to see an eclipse. <laughs> if it's not cloudy, oh, my God, that'd be the funniest thing. <laughs> If it does end up just an absolute blizzard and people can't see it. But but I got good news for him. He's not going to have to go around the block to see the eclipse. I'm not even, I'm not going outside. I'm not. Guys, if I want to see it get dark in Cleveland, I'll just wait till 6 o'clock. All right? <laughs> if, I want it to get, if I want the temperature to drop by 10 degrees and for the sun to go away, I'll just wait till like 530 on like a February, I don't know, February 15th. That sounds like a, I'm going to go, hey, guys, it's an eclipse. Hey, look out there. Can't see the sun. It's 10 degrees colder. Woo! It'll be back in 18 hours. Let the orgies begin. Yeah, you're not going to see it. You're going to be on the air when it's happening. Well, no, but you know what? We could we could film something, film something. We'd tape something. If I really wanted to see it, 
I could I could you know what the I powers am, that be into this. I, I am now expecting Nick to have wall to wall eclipse coverage on afternoon drive. You know what I want. Uh, you know what I. I'm going to. I'm you gonna will be, be the bro- most condescending son of a. You, you know you will about be this. Broad, you will be broadcasting from the street corner of East Ninth and Prospect. It's my usual corner. <laughs> yeah, so you should be very familiar yeah. with it. I just have to maybe change my outfit for this one. Right. Make sure you cut the tags off. Chipper, welcome to the show, buddy. What you got for us? Hey guys, I'm not gonna lie, but I am kind of intrigued by the clips. However, I'm kind of Nick's side. I mean. All these people coming in town just for a three-minute thing is really hilarious. So you know uh, how you much say work you put in for curious? a three-minute event? <laughs> What's that? You know how much work sometimes you put in for a three-minute event? Enough about uh, your personal no. life. Uh, <laughs> Chipper, I got to ask you. So th- does this? would you describe yourself as Eclipse Curious? Yeah, I'm intrigued by it, but I'll tell you what. I live in Elyria, so I have no intention of leaving my house. See, yes, okay, th- thank you for actually bringing home what I think is the greater part here, and I, I appreciate you, Chipper. Um, if if it's just you are living in the path of the eclipse, <laughs> I get it. That Okay, hey, let's get one of those boxes out. We'll go look in the, the corner of the box with the clipping and whatnot. Makes sense. But if you, like, if people from Buenos Aires are showing up, if they're flying in because they just got to see, it's like, Ooh, man, if this is what we're banking the local economy on, man, you know what? I'm not taking shots locally. I'm taking shots at people who are like from Hendersonville, Seversville, Tennessee. I got to get up there and got to see that eclipse. Go to Maui. Best five minutes Cleveland's had since 2016. You keep trying it. You keep trying it. I'm not letting it. One more. Hunter, welcome to the show, buddy. Hey, guys. Hello. How are you doing? Very well. Yes. So I have my house booked with birthing mothers coming in for the eclipse. Did you, hey, I did. Did you say birthing mothers or virgin mothers? Birthing mothers. <laughs> so they want this is just the bit that they're going to birth a child while the eclipse yes. is going on? Yes. Sir? Yes. Sir, uh you might be renting out your house to pagans. I'm not judging. No, I'm not. I'm not running out of my house. I don't give a crap about the eclipse. I'm just playing. No, who cares? I'm going to work. <laughs> Thank I'm going you. To work. Yes. Yes. This is the appropriate no, response. No, no one's coming to my house for that. Get out of here. <laughs> are you related to Nick? I just. You're the first person to take his side. I'm just wondering. Are you related? No. No, I'm not related. I mean, you know, maybe in some distant way. Uh, you know, well, it's okay. I we're all either. related in some way. <laughs> he's got he's got the show. I listen to the show. You know, we're connected. Yeah, so, there's a I connection guess. here, and we we're connected in thinking this whole thing is a bit of a ruse. <laughs> Hunter, we yes. appreciate you. And you know what? I should say to all the municipalities, to Lorraine County, God bless you. If you're if you got a million suckers coming to Lorraine County, oh. Okay, guys, we got to go back. We got to go back to Punta Gorda. We saw it. All right, let's go we, take that 15-hour flight back home. We came, we saw it eclipsed, we go home. You're, you'd be better off spending a night with Daryl Ryder. You might get more than five minutes of fun in that, and, you, and it'll cost a lot less, too. 216-474-0092. Uh, that was fun. We were having fun. So you gonna you gonna do the eclipse thing, huh? 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 Did you hear Lima call into his own show yesterday 
that literally had the whole station in a tizzy, except Baskin and Phelps and Alicia and the rest of us, uh, the whole station in a tizzy and, and still has some of us in a tizzy. No, I, I was busy planning for the eclipse. Okay, that's fair. That's that Plan ahead, I always say. So the best part about this is not only did I talk about Lima's take yesterday on Lima's show when he called in, which he wasn't hosting, we, we were going back and forth about it on uh, in, in, in text to which Lima was not just letting it go, and which I, I don't have a problem with because I also have a thing that I will fight to the death on things if I really, truly, like, in my core cannot let it go. Like the eclipse. You just wouldn't take the loss. And then this morning, Lima was fighting with Cleve T.A. about this on social media. It was great. I just want to play Lima's take. I'm sure we have one of the 17 shots he took at everybody that works here. Uh, you don't. You're not gonna hear the Jalen Brunson one he took at me, which is a damn good one and actually accurate. What? What he? Which one did he take at me? Uh, you might be the one person I, I escaped the who got left out. But this this led to a question I wanted to ask you. But here's Lima's take on a redraft, a uh, total redraft, including coaches in the NFL. Any other quarterback? Had they been going up against Lamar Jackson? Had they been going up against any other quarterback in the AFC? Is Kyle Shanahan not the Super Bowl champ today? Furthermore, I'll get really crazy. If there were a draft tomorrow in the NFL, you get to pick coaches, front office members, football players. Here is my order. Patrick Mahomes is going number one, right? We yeah. all agree. Okay. Is anybody yes. taking anybody else? No. Yes. Number two, I mean, I might take Joe Burrow. You might take what? Josh Allen. Some might take Lamar. I, I don't know how you could do that with without postseason. What about C.J. Stroud? I mean, fine. That's fine. He's won a playoff game. Okay. 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 Continue. I'm taking Kyle Shanahan and his handpicked GM next. I am taking him very next in that draft. That's how much I believe in a coach who has been able to take Jimmy Garoppolo to the Super Bowl so and you're have taking, him in the fourth quarter with a chance to win. You're, you're, and then Brock Purdy, the last player drafted, who has obvious limitations. So... I disagree with Lima. I think Lima is overvaluing coaches. I think teams, I think owners think coaches and executives are pretty interchangeable. Even great coaches. Philly thought Philly thought the world of Andy Reid moved on from him. Um look at Bill Belichick. He's available for the third or again going on a third time in his career. So even great coaches, Mike Frabel, universally thought of as a hell of a coach, couldn't get a job in this cycle. So I think he's he's miss He's, I don't want to say misunderstanding. I think he's wrong about two things. One, I think he's overvaluing coaches and executives. Two, I think he's undervaluing the emphasis that the league places on elite or potentially elite quarterbacks. But this did lead me down this rabbit hole. before Because we, we you and I could spend an, an hour just I, arguing on this alone. I, I just have a question. Sure. Does Lima realize Shanahan lost both Super Bowls? I, I don't think he does. I No, I, I think it was Brock Purdy and Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, okay. Yeah, not not the guy who handpicked those guys, which was my retweet, uh, my retweet, my retort back to him via text because he was like, yeah, Brock Purdy against Pat Mahomes. Who drafted him? It wasn't, nobody put a gun to Kyle Shanahan's head and said, you must take uh, Brock Purdy. No. I mean, if John Elway doesn't drive 99 yards against the Browns in 1987, are they the Super Bowl champion? Like, what are we doing here? Yes. I there's no way if we were redrafting the whole NFL, there's no way I'm taking Kyle Shanahan over Sean McVay. No, no, no chance. First of all, you don't win without a quarterback. I, I yes. don't look Andy Reid, the rub on Andy Reid was he could never win the big game, whether it was the NFC championship game or the Super Bowl, right? I mean that that was that was the narrative surrounding him. 
Then he lands in Kansas City with Patrick Mahomes, and now the guy can't stop winning Vince Lombardi trophies, right? And he's among the all-time greats right there with Vince Lombardi and Bill Belichick and, well, okay, I know Don Shula didn't win a lot of Super Bowls as, as a head coach, but, like, you know, the Don Shula, like, he's among the greats now because he put trophies in the case. Well, the reason he put trophies in the case, and I'm not taking away from what Andy Reid has accomplished in uh, Kansas City because you still have to put your players in position to be successful and use the tools they bring to the table correctly, but you had Patrick freaking Mahomes. Of course, you were, you're, you're supposed to win. So 40 years ago in the NFL, if I had given you the number one pick with a guy that everybody thought would be a franchise quarterback, or you could take the best head coach in the NFL, 40 years ago, you're taking the best head coach. You're taking Bill Walsh over the right to draft Joe Montana. Right, because the rule book is com- was completely yes. different and back coaches then. And coaches were in control. I mean, they were the GMs. They were the, the head coaches. They were the coordinators. Like, th- like, great coaches 40 or 50 years ago were the culture. And then you had everybody, like everybody was expendable. I mean, even, there, and I know this is going back farther than than 50 years, but there were legendary stories of when Paul Brown was in town. Read Terry Pluto's book, where he would have just cut a guy who stepped out like a great player, all pro player. He would cut him to make a case to everybody else. It doesn't matter how good you are. If you step out of line, I will take you out. And then he would replace him with an equally good player. This isn't that anymore. And so, like, I just think we've gotten to a point where I don't know the head coaches ever mattered less. Like, I, I think the reality is, if you said today, right now, to any NFL owner, all right, you need a quarterback and a head coach, and we're going to give you either the number one pick, and let's say it's a year like uh, the Joe Burrow year, where everybody, oh, that guy has a chance to be a franchise, not Daniel Jones, Joe Burrow. You can get yourself a guy that's going to be here the next 15 years, or... You can choose from any head coach in the NFL. Any of them. We just pluck them out to start a franchise. They're going to choose the number one pick every single time. Do you disagree? No. 100%. They will take the top pick every time. Because you cannot win without a court. Just ask Bill Belichick. How did it go once Tom Brady left New England? Yep. How'd things go? Uh, not well, if okay. I remember correctly. I'm just checking on that. Okay. Um. You know, how, how did things go for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers before Tom Brady went down there? Uh, and I'm talking about immediately. I never realized they yeah. already had trophies. But how's it going about the, you know, the previous five seasons for the Buccaneers? Before I, Tom I don't Brady think got- it was well. I remember at one point they had a number one pick and Jameis Winston had him perennially at six or seven wins. How, how good are things going for my Saints now that Drew Brees is in retirement? Uh, well, let's see. I believe they were an average-ass team. Okay. Yes. Uh, unfortunately, yes. You're, you're right. Like, I, I will say. But, like, the, but that's, that's, that's the point I'm trying to make here, right? It, how bad is it? Like, Eric Mangini was a good coach when he was here with the Browns. And I would argue if he was willing to not hire someone to, you know, like a George Kokinas to just, you know, make sure the fax machine was stuffed mm-hmm. on time. Like, if he actually was willing to have like a John Dorsey type to be his, uh, you know, football executive, I, I think Eric Mangini could have won here. Absolutely, I could have. Mm-hmm. In, in two years, he took the most undisciplined team in football and made him the most disciplined team in football like we've had good coaches whether it's been coordinators right especially the coordinators you look at some of the names that have come through here and even assistant coaches that have come through here I, we've had really really good people Kyle Shanahan couldn't wait to get the hell out of here probably the best career movie he ever made mm-hmm. <laughs> was was begging to get out of here right but like you cannot I would win say the, firing Steve Wilkes unjustly but go ahead well, well 
but you can't win in the National Football League without a franchise quarterback. It's the whole premise behind the Browns giving up six draft picks and fully guaranteeing $230 million. And you can't win now. Right. You could 40 years ago. You could 50 years Dan ago. Marino, you could 30 years ago. Dan Marino was one yes. of the greatest quarterbacks of his era. And last time I checked, he has as many Super Bowl rings as I do. The number one pick in the draft in a good quarterback year or the number one coach in the NFL, what would you rather have if you were starting an NFL franchise? But I did some very fancy schmancy um, uh, photography. There's some editing to it. Atnick Wilson says, uh, I've actually constructed what peak totality for the Cleveland Eclipse in two months is going to look like. And uh, honestly, guys, it took a long time. It, it, it's really been taking this whole show. But at Nick Wilson says, um, if anybody wants to use that picture as we start to talk about the eclipse, uh, there is pricing. We can work on that. But uh, yeah, there, this is this is as good of a simulation as you're going to get for, for peak totality in in really all of uh, weather, astronomy, whatever you want to call it. Actually, if you posted this around 6.30, a photo from 6.30, you would have gotten it right. There's way too much daylight in this photo. Uh, says you, noob. Um, I guess we'll see who's right on whatever day that eclipse is. April 8th, opening that, day for the Clearing Garden. I was just testing you. But uh, we got a lot to get to Make here. your plans now. Uh, clearly, uh, to leave. And, and or, or to spend a lot of money on five minutes of pleasure. Destination Cleveland got you covered. So we had the redraft conversation. I was so bummed when I found out pre-show that you have no feeling, no whatever for uh, for college football returning because they dropped the teaser trailer for NCAA 2025. And uh, it, it, they don't really show anything of the game. It's just a dude talking about the game returning. And it worked so well for me. Like and, and- I was like... Let's go. And and you're surprised that I wasn't moved by that. Well, no, I was surprised that you're not a video game nerd. Oh, yeah, you're a nerd no. in almost every other sense. Except for the gamer. Yeah, Except you, for the gamer. See, thing. there you go, stereotyping people. Uh, that's a correct profile that I just did on you. Am I wrong? You, you're a nerd. You admitted it. It's not. I'm, it's not a pejorative. I, I mean, look, I'm. I'm the one trying to make all the plans for the solar eclipse. But because I, you, I wear that hat proudly, because you can't get behind the return of college football. I was never a gamer growing up. I never had the money for game systems or anything like that. You know, Pac-Man on Atari was as good as it got for me. I will save that child. sadness for another moment because we got to get some joy here on the North Olmstead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. Albert Breer, MMQB, joins us every single Thursday at 520. Albert, what are you most excited and most curious about for the return of EA Sports College Football 2025? Um, I don't know. I'm most excited to pretend that it's a gift for my son when it's actually for me. Um, and I would say I'm most curious to see how, like, all the new stuff, like NIL and Transfer Portal, I'm really, like, wondering how they're going to incorporate all of that in. I hope we can um, play Bagman. Wouldn't that be fun? Oh, that'd be great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, are you going to have to, like, go fundraise with alumni? You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. So, like, and I, I always thought, like, the old game would have been great if, like, you had to, like, you could break the rules, but, like, there was like risk involved, like you might get caught and somehow there was a way to be good at not getting caught. You know what I mean? Like I always thought that would have been awesome if they had incorporated that in. Is there a mercy now you rule? Can do whatever the hell you want. So that'd be, now you can do whatever the hell you want. Albert, when you play, uh, when you play your, your, your kiddo in NCAA 2025, will there be a mercy rule or are you just going to annihilate him? 
Yeah, um, well, I mean, I'm going to treat this different than other video games. I'm like the Michael Jordan of that game. So, <laughs> like, I, I hope I'm not Michael Jordan on the Wizards now. I'll put it that way. But we had a lot of, um, you know, it's funny. I, we, I had that argument on Twitter today with Herb Street, and I, uh, I, I would challenge anybody to – I would have challenged anybody, anytime, any place in that game back in the day. I um, was part of a lot of heated battles at the final house at Ohio State. I had uh, a lot of broken controllers, a lot of hurt feelings. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely, a, I'm definitely a battle, battle-hardened veteran of, of all of that. Albert is a man with no kids. I have six words for you: no mercy, sweep the leg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll see. We'll see. It depends on his attitude during the game. If he uh, if if he shows good sportsmanship, which he doesn't because he's my kid, uh, but if he were if he were to happen to show more, uh, good sportsmanship, I might lay off him a little bit and you know not go on an eighty-yard touchdown drive with my third-string quarterback at the end of the game. Yeah, just remember, Albert. Uh, Daryl will not be pitching in for therapy, depending on how hard you go there. So just remember that now. Uh, we yeah. had one of our one of our esteemed colleagues, Anthony Lima, tried to say that in a total redraft of the NFL, including coaches and executives, that he thinks Kyle Shanahan would be the fourth pick of that draft. If we did a NFL wide redraft, as I just kind of threw out there, how many players would go? How many quarterbacks? All of them, uh, positional players, all of them would go before the first coach would be selected. Of all players. Yes. Um, and coaches. So before the first coach, you said, yes, would be selected. Okay. Um, so I'd say Mahomes, Allen, Burrow, uh, and probably Mahomes, Burrow, Allen. Um, I guess then maybe McVeigh. <laughs> I don't know. What do you guys think? I said 15 quarterbacks and at least one or two edge rushers before 15? we got. 15? Yeah. 15 quarterbacks. He was, I, he was uh, putting Deshaun Watson and Jordan Love on that it's, list. It's a, it's a damn shame that I just threw the, the list away because I literally had written out the 15 names plus the two edge rushers. Well, everyone's been trying to get the next McVeigh forever, right? That's yeah. fair. Is that right? That's yeah. fair. I said. Everybody's been trying. So if everybody's been trying to get the next McVeigh forever, and you can somehow get the current McVeigh, I mean, I don't know, guys. Where's Kevin Stefanski fall on that list? And has he earned the right to be paid as a top five or top ten coach now that he's got those two Coach of the Year awards sitting in the trophy case? Um, I don't know. I, I got, this is one of those things like you. you, you you go on your instinct, and it's like what I what I say top ten, what I say top fifteen, and I have to have the list in front of me. Um, but I mean, I think he's you know like uh, worthy of getting paid in in eight figures now, which is you know an established second um, second con- a, a, co- a, a contract a second contract for an established head coach who's won, been to the playoffs twice with two different quarterbacks, neither of them were Deshaun Watson. Um, you know, and I think he's established a, a program and a winning culture there. So um, I'm not telling you he'd be number three or four. Um, but, I mean, I, I think comfortably inside the top 15, just, just going on instinct and not having all the names in front of me. 
Now, Albert, I did read your mailbag this week, and you listed 10 49ers that could be moved this offseason for, for salary reasons or that made sense contractually if the 49ers were looking. Yeah, I, I think I just listed the 10 highest paid guys. Yes. I don't think that, that was like a list of guys who could be moved, but go ahead. I, reading and comprehension are not my best there. <laughs> now, of those 10 guys that you mentioned – I mean, let's take Nick Bosa off the list because that ain't happening. But who would be the most intriguing fit in Cleveland? Yeah, I mean, probably one of the receivers. I, I, I don't think they're going to move Trent Williams. And, like, I don't know if the Browns would trade for him anyway, but I, I, I think there's too much invested in Trent Williams. He's too important to their offensive line. I think Nick Bosa is too important on, D, on the D-line. Um, I'm not sure an Eric Armstead would have as much value because he's a little older. Um, Fred Warner is an off-ball linebacker. Would you invest in him? Um, he's sort of uniquely valuable to the Niners. So, you know, like the thing is, it's got to like kind of work for all parties, right? Where a guy's worth a first round pick or more. And then on the flip side, um, you know, the, 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 the guy uh, is somebody the Niners are willing to part with. And it makes sense for the Niners to part with. And when you go down the list of those players and who would be like a sensible guy to move um, and a guy who have value to other teams, I, I, I look at the receivers, you know, and I, I think it's either Ayuk or Debo, you know, and I'm not saying those guys absolutely are going to be moved, but if there's like a player on the roster where you look and you say, okay, I can see them surviving okay without the guy, um, it would probably be one of those two. And I don't think they're going to get rid of both of them, but I think maybe they would listen on both of them. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's sort of be similar to the DeForest Buckner trade four years ago where – they had both Eric Armstead and DeForest Buckner on the roster. And I was like, okay, like, you know, which one do we move? And it wound up being the one they could get more value for. That's probably how they would approach it with Ayuk and Samuel if, if, if they move one of the two. Albert, there was a report out there today by a Pro Football Talk that even though Deshaun Watson has been suspended 11 games by the NFL for his previous allegations – uh, that the league has not completely ruled out the possibility of further punishment given the evidence could emerge in remaining cases or eventual verdicts. That was part of a uh, of a, a yeah. kind of uh, report about uh, Deshaun might have to be deposed again. I'm just curious because yeah. – what was that, bud? I said, yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. So can you shed light on this? Because when I, – I, I seem to remember when the suspension happened – that basically it was kind of an umbrella agreement that anything that falls within that period is kind of already handled with. So the only way you would have additional issues with the league or if there were new claims come out about Deshaun. Right. I think it's new information in general. And so if new information comes out that, um, you know, contradicts anything that he said or is, is new in any way, um, you know, anything that obviously casts the Browns or, the league in a bad light, then that's something they would look at. That's that's my understanding of it anyway. And obviously, you know, if there is something new that comes out, then that's something that will be dealt with. I, you know, the league is going to leave themselves these openings because, like, obviously PR is a huge part of this. And um, if they're going to take another public relations hit for something they didn't know, well, then they want to have the power to deal with it with the player. What about Joe Flacco? The Browns, obviously, they've you know got a little bit of a decision to make there. Joe, more so than the Browns, because I, the way he played, I got to think that there's going to be a market for him, at least from an organization, at worst, looking for a bridge quarterback. So what do you think the prospects are? Flacco ends up with the Browns, uh, back with the Browns, I should say, Albert, 
or uh, what's that market going to look like for him come the spring? Yeah, I mean, what I know, Daryl, is I, I know um, he wants to play, right? Like I, By play, I don't mean sit and hold a clipboard and watch. I mean play. And, you know, as of right now, it doesn't seem like the Browns are going to be able to offer him the best opportunity to do that. And this is a guy who's made his money, who's taken care of his money, who, you know, I, I think has got the flexibility now to do what he wants to do. And so um, it makes me think the likelihood of him coming back to the Browns is relatively low. Um, because the Browns, part of the coaching staff changes and everything else were to get more out of Deshaun Watson and do your best to try to find people that will build an offense that's right for Deshaun Watson. And, you know, if you're doing these things, uh, it would seem to me like, you know, you're doubling down on the trade that you made a couple of years ago. And, um, and that would obviously severely, um, severely lower the, the, the opportunity that he would have to actually play, like as in get on the field again in Cleveland. Whereas I think there will be an opportunity out there for him, even if it's just the bridge guy to play somewhere else. So like, let's say it's Chicago. Well, if he goes to Chicago and Caleb Williams is coming in, he at the very least has a chance maybe to play five or 10 games. Um, if he shows well in camp and if Caleb stumbles at all, you know, and so that on paper would be a better opportunity to actually get on the field to play than to be offered to him in Cleveland. So I think that's sort of what it is. And, you know, like that, Again, the opportunity to, to step on the field and play, I think, is going to govern a lot of, of Joe Flacco's decision-making. And It's hard for me to see a scenario where the Browns can say, yeah, you'll absolutely have a chance to get on the field here in Cleveland. i, I got to switch to the Steelers here real quick because I, I'm somewhat giddy that they uh, might be where the Browns were for, like, the last 25 years. Um, Ramon Foster said that Steeler fans are acting like uh, Browns fans – but uh, are the Steelers in, like, quarterback hell right now <laughs> with uh, their particular situation? No. I mean, I, I think uh, I actually give them credit because they, they're realistic with it. Um, there are a lot of teams that would be in that situation where Kenny Pickett hasn't been a train wreck. But, I mean, there's a lot of evidence there now that says, like, he may not be the guy. I mean, if you compare how the team played with Pickett in there versus how they played with Mason Rudolph in there, it's pretty easy to look at it and say, okay, so Pickett didn't play particularly well. Trubisky wasn't very good. And then Kenny, and then Mason Rudolph actually looked like really confident in the offense. So what does that tell you? Well, that tells you like maybe the ceiling isn't what you had hoped it would be with Kenny Pickett, which was the knock coming out. And, um, you know, I give the Steelers credit for being open and saying, yeah, you know what, like this might not be the guy and we do have to bring in someone to compete with him and we do need to give ourselves multiple shots of getting the quarterback position right. So I, what will be interesting for me to see from here, Daryl, is the idea that, you know, like they could either go and get a known commodity and a guy who would almost be an insurance policy, like Daniel, who of course was with Arthur Smith in Tennessee, or – they could decide to go the other way with it and say, you know what, we're going to go and trade for Justin Fields and give ourselves two shots at having the young long-term answer on our roster, then let, you know, again, someone like Fields battle it out with Pickett, and you at least give yourself a shot then to have a guy who could be an answer for the next five or ten years out there. And that's, of course, assuming that they don't 
make some sort of move up to get one of the top three quarterbacks in this year's draft class. Albert, I know the month of April, very busy with the NFL. We got the NFL draft at the end of it. Well, April 8th, uh, which is, of course, the Cleveland Guardians home opener. We got a hell of an eclipse coming, and there's big tourists is coming in. The Lorraine County is expecting over a million people that are coming into town to, to hang out and see the eclipse. Will you be joining us in Cleveland for the eclipse on April 8th? I didn't even know that was happening, so you guys can have fun with that. All right. So it sounds like you're you're <laughs> willing to like hear more information about it. I might be. I might be in Ohio right around then. Though I talked to my uh, my oldest son about going to Ohio State spring practice at some point. So I, I, it is possible that I make a trip out to Ohio around then. So maybe Des- we could arrange something. Destination Cleveland representatives will be in touch. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll get we'll get the right people to Cleveland? reach out. Is that like the name of the uh, tourism bureau? Yeah. Are you guys? Are you guys? Are you guys involved with building the dome too? Yeah. Uh, well, well, listen. We, what we can say in public is not the same thing. Yeah, come on. Let's talk off the record, there, Albert. All right, all right. I'll I'll I'll, I'll file that one away. We'll we'll take that up later. We'll, we'll, we'll see you at the opener in the dome in 2029 when uh, it opens. Yeah, yeah. What, what is it? What is it? The uh, the Berea Dome. Uh, I think Brook I think Park, the, the Brook Park Browns is what Brook I believe Park, we're calling Park. them now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Albert. Yeah. Nothing can. There's no, eclip- muni- there's no. There's no muni lot out in Brook Park, is there? Listen, wherever there are drunk Browns fans, there's a muni lot, Albert. <laughs> <laughs> and there's an airport yeah. standing by. That's actually the worst idea. Put a bunch of drunk Clevelanders next to an airport. Someone's gonna try and snap a plane. Okay, uh, Albert. Be good, buddy. Appreciate you. All right, thanks, guys. So the question we asked, but they're they're a valuable life lesson. So because I, I I think when you like think about youth sports and stuff right now, it you you're, you you. Not everybody wins. Yeah. But you have to teach them how to accept defeat and use that as motivation to get better. Yes. That's, yeah. you know. like uh, Like my twins are playing um, basketball again, and their team has not just gotten beat. Like three of the four times, it's they've not, gotten stomped. Okay. And so, like, to me, I didn't put it all on the kids. I'm not, I'm not going to turn this into <laughs> – well, no, 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 no. No, this this last time we were there. Damn coaches, man. We, we I'm ha- telling you, it's, it's been a struggle. I, I, I have not voiced this. I, so if the person is listening that did the fill-in coaching this last week, I, I was really struggling because they did the thing that I find completely useless when coaching children, which is saying things like, come on, or, oh, that's not it. I, I think when you're when, – you, you, you have to give them more than that. Yeah, like, hey, guys, hands up. Like, Find your man. Get in your you know, stance. Yeah. Move your feet. And so, like, yeah. it was it was one week of that that kind of drove me crazy. But like then this week, like one of the they actually did a great job where they were doing dribbling drills. They're basically playing knockout, but with dribbling, and and you basically had to stay inside the circle. So it was it was phenomenal. So like that to me is the thing that I tell the girls is it's like okay, you you lost. It sucks. All right, what are you gonna do about it? You just just gonna roll out of bed and take an L the next time? Or are you gonna put the work in? And so it's Not, tough, like, because you want your kid to win. You really do. Yeah. But, like, yeah, sometimes kids kiddos got to take an L. It, it, it's almost up there with John Beeline having the Cavaliers dribble through chairs during training camp. Listen, here's the thing. It does. It, it, my my kids were not, <laughs> and he thought that was actually going to be a winning formula. Listen, we just didn't get enough time. I, I think Kevin Love was ready to kill him by I don't know five minutes into the first drill. Um. Many jokes that I can make, but I will not. Please do. Um, no, because it's I'm either going Kevin Love or I'm going to punch down at John Beeline, and I'd rather not do either. Okay. So, uh, you want to be the bigger man for a change, huh? 
I'm always the bigger man. Well, I see. Now I I wasn't gonna. I was leaving the fat joke alone, and then you had to, you know. Yeah. Bull is what I'm gonna say back to you. Bull, you were yeah. Um. So that was the Albert response. By the way, was in an answer to uh, he had written up the the ten highest paid players on the San Francisco 49ers, and really kind of the feasibility of those guys getting moved. I don't think you have the assets to get either Debo or Brandon Ayuk. But you want to talk about winning an offseason? Like, you bring in either one of those here, and people would lose their minds. They would and, start planning the parade. And honestly, I don't even think the bar's that high. I think I think people are a lot more paranoid about the wide receiver spot than I am. But, like, either one of those is a win. Khalil Mack, who I mentioned earlier today on social media, that's a win. Like, I think the Browns are going to have an opportunity at a, at a lot of different kind of wins. And I think for I, I think you're going to be able to be choosy and really kind of play that long game that uh, Andrew Barry's been really good at in his in the last couple of years, like uh, Zadarius this last year or waiting out the Cowboys to get Amari on the cheap. Or, you know, getting like Shelby Harris in the middle of training camp. Like, I, I mean, um, here's one for you. One of those two 49ers being landed by the Browns this offseason or Odell Beckham Jr., which reaction would uh, larger? Because remember, Cleveland went nuts when the Browns got Odell. Um, I think if you – okay, so I think Debo would be the biggest name because he's been in two right. Super Bowls in the last so, five but, years. Yeah, so if the Browns – all think, right, fine. If the Browns landed Debo this offseason, which reaction would be more over the top? The one we had for Odell or – I think it'd be Debo. I, you know, that's tough because OBJ – I mean, his, I did write a column his, saying the Browns were Super Bowl contenders after trading for Odell. Okay, in <laughs> fairness, you didn't know the guy was going to completely turn into a pumpkin here. Right. Yeah. Oh, all of a sudden, these soft tissue injuries that coincide with me getting paid a lot of money. But I care about my team. Okay. We got into a few different conceptual debates throughout the last couple days over the, gas, the gasoline-filled rant that Anthony Lima spewed on his own show two days ago in between changing diapers. He calls in and just ethers the station with Kyle Shanahan would be the fourth pick behind the three best quarterbacks in the NFL in a league wide redraft. We're going to get to what league would benefit most from a yearly redraft here in a moment, but the man has once again taken a small break, changing nappies to join us on the North Homestead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram hotline. Anthony Lima, welcome to the show, sir. Had the first projectile number one and wasn't ready for it from a boy. <laughs> you're, you're just... You don't have to worry about it with the girls, but you do have to worry about it with the boys. I was warned, and boy, did we were scrubbing the walls. Now, now, do we get a PPTP? Because that's a real thing. <laughs> yeah, I've heard about it too. Yeah, absolutely. And what's weird is when somebody like insists that you get one. Uh, that that happened to a family member of mine when they had their first son, and I remember being like, you know, it's not your kid, right? Like if they, right. if they, if they would like that kid to go all over them, I guess that's on them. Yeah. And look, I'm 42 going through this for the first time. All my buddies are just laughing because they went through this like 20 years ago. And they're like, man, you are old. You're going to be really old at your high school graduation. Well, by that what point, at that point, you're hoping for senility, right? You're hoping yeah. that when, when he's yeah. graduating, you're hoping that you're just not there, but you're there. You know what I mean? Yeah, either that or my buddies will have me run for president. One or the other. <laughs> That's true. You'll be the young. I mean, you'll be like 58, 60. Oh, my gosh. You'll be the youngest presidential candidate in 50 years. <laughs> It'll be amazing. Uh, all right. So there were other factors to the draft. And I want people to understand because, yes, it is offseason football. 
so that's where a lot of these topics are birthed. So, uh, look, there's only so, so much we can talk about whether or not the Cavs are being disrespected. But I'm, I'm listening <laughs> to this, and there's one thing I feel like I, I didn't bring up. And, Nick, you've been there. You're at home, and you're like, oh, my best points I didn't even bring to the table mm-hmm. after going through this thought process about a draft. And I think people are not really totally understanding while they're, they're engaging in a great, what I think to be a great hack topic. The, the debate is not just, hey, one year, that's all you get, right? Because I think we'd all agree, like, what if you have a bad roster? What is a good head coach? What is a great head coach going to give you if your roster stinks? Like, we might like Kevin Stefanski a lot right now. Give him the 1-15, one in, one in 0-16 oh Browns. Well, the, he's not going to win. See and Eric Mangini in 2009-2010. Right, right. Or, you know, conversely, Daryl and Nick, what if, you know, you have – Deshaun Watson with the Houston Texans, you know, not a great roster, not a great coach. And he's elite. Well, there's only so much you can do. So the one year thing is not what I'm interested in. I'm interested in, Hey, this once in a lifetime draft out of nowhere that goes down and you're going to play this out over the next five years, who are you going to have more success with or 10 years or 15 years if you did this draft now and the, the, the motives or the factors I did not bring up when originally talking about this is, the fact that you still have a salary cap, right? So your quarterback, your pass rushers, you know, when you're done with the draft, you still have a salary cap to deal with over the next five years, 10 years, all, all under the same constraints that we have now. Mm-hmm. Number two, coaches do not get injured for the most part. I mean, I, I get Andy Reid almost got injured on the sidelines, but and Mike Tomlin tried to step on the sidelines once, but uh, on, on the field of play during the game. But there are no injuries with coaches. So that's part of why, you know, Kyle Shanahan or I heard Albert Breer, who I couldn't believe he, he not that he said McVay ahead of Shanahan, which I, I've heard other people say. And um, that's interesting. I, I think it's a great topic in, in and of itself. But he only what took three or four quarterbacks ahead of uh, everybody else. Kind of like that was that was what I had originally said. Yeah, his list um, was pretty short. Yeah, I, I think that's what also is part of this. You know, that's one of the things, one of the advantages. If you have an owner that's going to spend money, you can spend money for retaining any kind of coordinators, staff, any of them. You know, think about Bill Callahan and when Breer told you how much he was making and how the Browns were able to, to really limit, you know, his ability to go elsewhere just by the fact that they paid him so much money. You know, that's one of the advantages. If you think you have an elite head coach, you're going to be able to do that. And then, hey, you know, you can miss on a Trey Lance here or there. You can make a faulty, you know, quarterback assessment, but you still have that coach. And that coach is going to be there, or maybe in this case with San Francisco, why I like him so much is because, you know, he handpicked his GM and they work in such concert and they're able to go, you know, basically every offseason figure out where their failings are and address them, you know, within limits because there's a salary cap. Um, that, that is a huge part of why I think if you have evaluated a coach to be at a very top tier, I think you might, if you can't get Patrick Mahomes, if you can't get um, you know, Joe Burrow or Josh Allen, where it gets interesting, Nick, is, is the Justin Herberts of the world. Mm-hmm. You know, how do you feel about the Justin Herberts? Or you said Anthony Richardson, who's already gotten injured in his first year. You, know, you talked about potential, but I, I, I can get another 20 years out of Kyle Shanahan how many years am I going to get out of your potentially elite quarterback that is mobile but can also sustain injuries, like maybe Deshaun Watson? So so here's the thing. Why don't coaches get hurt? 
because they don't play the game. Right. And so I'd look at it and say, I actually think the no salary cap thing for coaches goes against your argument because I can I can fire out five coaches in five years looking for Kyle Shanahan or Sean McVay. I can't go through five attempts at a franchise quarterback in five years. I got to pick one guy and I got to give three to five years. It's different if it's a rookie, but like if I draft Justin Herbert ahead of Kyle Shanahan, that's mm-hmm. giving me the first five years of a franchise. Whereas if Kyle Shanahan comes in year one and is an ass clown because he doesn't have the right quarterback, year one in San Francisco, by the way, not great mm-hmm. for the, the 49ers. I can just fire that guy and move on to the next guy. So I think in a way, I think the quarterback drafting franchise quarterbacks or guys that could be like Anthony Richardson, I think give you more stability versus coaches who you might get six months into and you think the guy's a turd and you have to rip him out. Like with a a quarterback, you at least have something, well, hey, if all else fails, I got the quarterback, that's going to help us be competitive. This is why I think it actually speaks to the strength of an elite head coach Somebody like Sean McVay, who went to a Super Bowl with Jared Goff, realized, hey, he's not going to get me over the hump, and we have this once-in-a-lifetime ability to go get somebody. And he goes and gets Stafford. They win the Super Bowl. Then they have a down year. Remember, obviously, they used up all their draft picks. They have a down year that a lot of people could see coming with a banged-up quarterback who's a little bit older. And then they, they come back, and they're in position. There are people that are picking them again to go back to the Super Bowl Next year, where was Jared Goff you, drafted, and where was Matt Stafford drafted? Very early. Yeah, he, he got two number one picks. Like I, sure, I don't know, I can really commend him well, so that that's well. Why, that's the that's why I take Shanahan over McVay is he's done it with lesser quarterbacks. And Who that he if drafted. They, if if they right, but if he screws up, like let's say Brock Purdy goes down with an injury next year, you're telling me he couldn't get make swing a trade for Jacoby Brissett and still have a chance to go to the Super Bowl next year like that to me is what sets Kyle Shanahan apart from everybody is if he has a quarterback that can run a system they got a shot and they had a shot twice against an all-time quarterback and we don't know what would happen last year the year before where his quarterback got injured well so you're so giving him why, the, for the benefit of the doubt for quarterback injuries for the mid-ass quarterbacks that he drafted what do you mean? I mean, yeah, quarterbacks get injured. They, well, they get the great ones can get injured. Well, I mean, but, Mahomes has it, but Tom Brady, Tom Brady missed a whole year. John John Elway had one year where he was big time injured. I mean, all all the elite quarterbacks have had you know significant injuries at one point in their life, except for Patrick Mahomes, who's been banged up a lot, but has been able to play through it. I just so can't that, get that, over that. Also, factors into it. Like, I'm getting Kyle Shanahan every year, no matter what. I just think the thing that you're kind of minimizing is that the whole reason you have Shanahan is he's supposed to be some sort of Sven Gali at, at evaluating quarterbacks, and he's chosen Jimmy Garoppolo, Trey Lance, and Brock Purdy. And yes, Brock Purdy has completely surpassed our expectations. He's still not good enough to win the Super Bowl as of yet. So the other guy that he's got was one of the biggest yeah, I busts. Would, I think he is good enough to win the Super Bowl if he's not going up against maybe the greatest quarterback ever in Patrick Mahomes, at least that seems to be. What, what a lot of the arguments were the day after the Super Bowl. I, well, so, it, you're, I you're taking one Super Purdy. Bowl to say that he, he – yeah. you, so you think he could beat Josh Allen? You think he could beat well, – I mean, uh, Garoppolo. Garoppolo. Garoppolo hits one open receiver in that game, you know, late. And maybe they're the Super Bowl champs years ago. And that's Jimmy G, who now everybody thinks sucks again. So he's done this twice, going up against the best of the best. And that is what is so amazing to me about Shanahan that I don't know – in fact, I, I can't really name that many other coaches who could have done that with Jimmy Garoppolo 
and Brock Purdy. And like I said, if all of a sudden this offseason Brock Purdy, you know, falls off, uh, there's there's some sort of bad weather, you know, off a cliff. He's living in that beautiful house that you keep seeing on the news, and there's a mudslide. And then goodbye to Brock Purdy. That would be tragic. I still think the 49ers could get back to the Super Bowl next year with a new quarterback. You can't really say that with uh, with many other coaches, certainly. Well, but that could be dispelled in one season. That's the problem, like because what you're speaking to is a narrative about Kyle Shanahan, and the narrative is no longer wow, look what he does with average ass quarterbacks or slightly above average quarterbacks. It does this. It's now does this guy know what to do? Does he know how to find an elite quarterback? And it's can he win the big game? So like I, so I think the, I think the narrative you're the operating under is is the yeah. the narrative from last year, not this year, not the current so state. Nick, who are the guys who can evaluate quarterbacks and get them where other people? Now, obviously, you can get a quarterback at the top if your team is bad, which you know under Kyle Shanahan you're never going to be really bad um, for the most part. So where are you going to get those guys, and who is going to be the one to evaluate them? I mean, John Dorsey nailed it with Patrick Mahomes. Andy Reid didn't. Certainly. In fact, Andy Reid was there. If Patrick Mahomes doesn't ever come through, it's Andy Reid twiddling his thumbs with the Alex Smiths of the world and certainly never a threat to really get to the Super Bowl. Do you want to know who it is? Uh, it's who luck. Is it? And football guys are going to hate that I'm saying that. Football <laughs> guys love to, oh, I knew this guy was going to be. Matt Rule knew Brock Purdy was going to be special. He knew it so well he didn't draft him in the seven different uh, – picks that the Panthers had before the man became Mr. Irrelevant. That's a great point. Let's just be oh, honest with you. The NFL, Baltimore is full of, the NFL is full of crap when it comes. How many quarter, three quarterbacks, four quarterbacks before Josh Allen? All these football guys. I love them. I love scouts, man, because they, I, and I, I wish I could just watch football all day and watch film, do the grind, all that. They're full of crap, Lima. And that's why when you get a chance at an elite quarterback, you take it over a head coach because an elite uh, head coach can turn stale in two years. That's what happened to Vrabel. An elite head well, coach. It, go ahead. And I like Vrabel, yeah. But like, is it the damnedest thing? I was the one leading the charge. You were not in town at the time, so I, I can't vouch for what maybe you might have been saying uh, on the big flamethrower in Carolina. <laughs> but I was all about going and getting Deshaun Watson because I thought this was a once-in-a-lifetime deal, the chance to get an elite quarterback. And unfortunately, so far, he hasn't really been that. But that that was the, the modus operandi there, and I, I totally supported it. And there's still time. <laughs> we He's still got old. time. We still have three more yeah. years. So, uh, all right, real quick here. What league would benefit most – from either a yearly redraft or if like every three or four years they redrafted the whole league? Yeah, I don't think football needs it because there's so much parity and it's interesting every year. Baseball, are, are you telling me that the salary cap is the exact same as it is in baseball? Because if all of a sudden the Guardians have a chance to get, you know, Shohei Otani, you know, that would be amazing and I think would lead directly to huge crowds and a totally different vibe in the city. I think you would have to do like a like basically a, a hard cap where the money is shared more evenly. But yeah, I mean, I, I both Daryl and I agree on the baseball thing. It, it goes both ways. Though. I mean, it's also you lose Jose Ramirez. Uh, if I had a shot True. at Shohei well, Otani, tell me you wouldn't go for. Oh, of course I would. But you, I'm just saying, like, yeah, yeah, Daryl. I've never. Uh, we've been doing this a long time, Daryl. You've been doing it longer, and you've been in the city longer, and so I, I think you, you have the bona fides to speak to this in a nice way. I, I, unfortunately for our friends over at the corner of Carnegie and Ontario, I can't remember maybe to the Maniacta era. 
I can't remember a time where there's been less talk about a baseball team during an offseason. We're I, talking more about a solar eclipse or lunar eclipse or what kind of eclipse is that? Eclipse it's, it's, a, it's a total uh, solar eclipse. A total eclipse of the heart. Yeah. A Mitsubishi eclipse. I don't know. Whatever it is. Like that's going to be the is. highlight on opening day is, is the eclipse. Well, but okay. And, and, and no. it's kind of sad. It's kind of sad. And it's not. And it, the blue you know, seats. Will... Let's not forget the blue seats. <laughs> and the blue seats. Let's, let's not and forget pe- the port of Cleveland has been removed from right field. And you can go up there and drink to your heart's content. They took out half the left field line to put more bars in. Move on trucking, Daryl. That's that's going to be the hardest pill to swallow. Is (laughs) no longer can consult with the guy that robbed our guy of the MVP award. So we are actually pivoting a little bit because the reality is to defend the Guardians. Twenty teams in baseball, fans of twenty teams in baseball are saying the same thing. There have been maybe five teams that have actually spent because of the the TV money being held over everybody's head. So, like, it's not that you're wrong, but like, I'll be honest with you, I actually think, like, I think because the expectations are so low, I actually think it's easy to be a Guardians fan again, simply because anything they do will be great is is going to be above what we expect. I mean, Austin Hedges was the big yeah. Yeah, the the soft bigotry of low expectations is is what it is. And I always had a great time going to games, uh, whether I'm watching the game or just hanging out. It's a great community thing. Uh, fireworks after the game. It, we talk about everything but the game. And they've had great teams. They've had really great teams. And they've, they've obviously had a very professional approach for so many years. Unfortunately, the sport of baseball is so – I don't want to write off the whole sport because you guys are big baseball fans. You're bigger baseball fans than I am. We, we have big baseball fans at the station uh, who have that microphone, who just love the sport a lot more than I do at this point. Uh, unfortunately, you're right. There's like 20 plus teams that are all in the same boat that they are never going to be able to compete in free agency. And so that kills the off season. You can compete during the season. I mean, the guardians have done that. They've, they've competed time and time again with Tito and with this, this, this manager, this, uh, you know, organization, they've been able to compete but when you don't give your fans anything to get excited about in the offseason, that just limits the conversation and that limits the fanfare. And I, I think that's one thing the other sports have going for it. The NBA has huge, huge buzz every offseason in, in a lot of places. Uh, the NFL, we know every single team, 32 teams have that buzz. How many in baseball? Four, five. It's a huge issue with the sport. Lime, I appreciate you dropping uh, Soft Bigotry of Low Expectations, the name of my erotic memoirs. You are a gentleman. <laughs> we release you back to fatherhood, and we can't wait to have you back, buddy. Thank you for lighting the station on fire the other day. All right. This is a fun show. It's a fun show. You remember that. Fun show. PPTP. Look it up. I totally empathize with Lima. You know what he has right now? He has cabin fever. I, I, well, and I don't like it's it, So it's not just because it's easy to go, oh, we had a kid. But no, it's also, it's winter. So even with having my voice cracked, with with it, Do it being, again, uh, with being a winner and having a kid, like you're, and you're stepping on top of each other. Like I said, this is also a radio thing. We all get to the point where we're like, man, if I step away from this for one day. And then you go on vacation, and by the second day, you're, you're itching to do you're something. You're jonesing for it more yep. than than uh, the, the guys filling in for you are jonesing for you to be back. Like, and it's the, it's, and so then you're like giving your takes to people in your family and they're like, I really, I could not care less. It's like me with Brown season. Like right now. Okay. I'm enjoying uh, covering the calves and that, you know, that keeps me busy. And, uh, but by the start of free agency, I'm going to be jonesing for training camp to get here. Yeah. (laughs) But I, I thought it was interesting in talking with Lima. 
I just think that here, and I, I, you and I didn't really get into this in the uh, five, uh, the four forty segment. We started talking about value. I think what, and I think, I think everybody overvalues head coaches. That doesn't mean they don't matter. But the, but the truth of the matter is, if if you gave me a average head, uh, average uh, court, uh, quarterback, and a great head coach, you're probably just a playoff team at best. I, I give you the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah. And honestly, like I can't give Kyle Shanahan his flowers for losing in the Super Bowl when he's supposed to be the advantage. Right. Right? I can't give him the advantage when he's picked the quarterbacks. He's he's like, supposed to be the X factor to beat Patrick Mahomes. Like if the chef comes in and says, "Man, my food is crap. I don't have good enough food." Who was at the grocery store earlier, Jack? Like I so it's tough for me to give Shanahan that. Whereas if you give me an elite quarterback and a middle of the road head coach, Every single time. Guys, Dan Quinn, uh, MVP season for Matt Ryan, Super Bowl. Uh, Ron Rivera, look at every other season in Ron's career. Hell of a guy. Every other season without Cam as an MVP, and he was a 500 coach or below. So look at what he did in Washington. Ron went to Washington and said, I'm not making this about the quarterback because Cam's uh, injury history got me fired in Carolina. So he spent four years looking for a quarterback. Well, but ignoring the quarterback spot. Oh, I can win with Alex Smith. Oh, I can win with Carson Wentz. Oh, I can win. And in the meantime, he passed on Justin Herbert. In the meantime, he did have a chance to draft Jalen Hurts in the second round before Philadelphia did it. He had multiple opportunities to take swings at quarterback and didn't. And it's just like, I think. Is D'Amico Ryan's a, a coach of the year candidate if C.J. Stroud is an average rookie quarterback? Or what about if C.J. Stroud's in Carolina and Bryce Young is in Houston? Right. Because I think the tale of the, I think the tale of the tale would be completely different. That doesn't mean I don't want to make it like I I coaches do matter, and things like setting the tone and things like culture, culture, and messaging, and, and honestly, X's and O's matter, yeah. and 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 like all that does matter. But you can't convince me it matters more than any player that might give you a chance at a franchise See, quarterback. When, when the Browns were washing through head coaches left and right, I, I feel like the Haslam's would get so enamored in their coaches' interviews with the whiteboard X's and O's session, right, where uh, the candidate would bring the film or whatever. Like, hey, I'm going to do this, 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 and this mm-hmm. with the offense, and I'm going to do this, this, and this, this with the defense and with the personnel you have, and here, you know, here, here's how far away I think we are, whatever, right? And they get so caught up in that, they forget, well, the people skills, all the personalities in the lot. Like, I, I, I give Kevin Stefanski a lot of credit. Like, you know, the stuff that comes across coaches' desks uh, in the NFL or in any sport, sometimes borderline absurd. But, it, 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 you know, life happens to guys, and you have to deal with things that you don't expect to deal with. But, like, Kevin Stefanski's got really good people skills. He's really good at delivering his message succinctly. It gets through his team. I mean, that locker room at times, and, and I would make the joke with you guys, like the, the locker room talks like Kevin Stefanski. And some people took like like I was ripping on Kevin or criticizing Kevin. No, that was the ultimate compliment. That meant that your message got through to your team, that they are speaking exact. Just trying to go one and zero this week. We're only focused on this week. Mm-hmm. We got the big picture in mind. We know where we want to go, but you know what? We can't get there if we don't handle our business this week. Vintage Kevin Stefanski, right? So, um, and, and look what Stefanski did with the uh, the quarterback play that he had to deal with this year and the challenges, right? So, yeah, coaches matter, but you can't win a Super Bowl unless you're like the 2000 Ravens. Uh, 
without an elite quarterback. Like yeah. it just it does not happen. Go back and look at the recent Super Bowl winners. They're all elite players. And anybody and- who isn't, it's a fluke. Philly with Nick Foles. Right. Uh you mentioned Baltimore Trent uh Trent, Trent Dilfer. Dilfer. Like so and it's and listen, I don't think this was maybe the same way in nineteen ninety two. It just shows you this thing. This Dan whole Marino thing. was an elite quarterback, yes. and he couldn't win a Super Bowl to save his life. But this whole thing has been just geared towards quarterbacks and, and the passing game and scoring more offense. And every single rule that you take away, well, you can't hit them anymore. You can't land on them. Uh, well, now defensive backs can't do this, that, and the other. Or if you're in coverage, this uh, is now. like because they now cost $50 million a year for a good quarterback. Well, but, like, that's all because of the way this game is designed now. And if they ever listen, and it's and by the way, it's not just on the field. It's also organizations are no longer 10 guys. They're 80 guys. They're they're and I'm talking about football operations. Yeah. You've got health and sciences, you've got uh analytics, you've got uh the football coaching staff, you've and, and support staff. You've got the actual football scouting department and the GM side of things. And by the way, those are like four, they're probably an additional one or two departments that I'm not thinking about that are subsets of that. So like it's just it's completely changed the way you need to win in the NFL. And I will say the one thing I agree with Ly- one of the things I agree with Lima on is the NFL's the league that if they did a re, a year a, a redraft once, it would be the biggest thing to ever happen. They don't need it. They're no, because, so because popular. You want to know why? You want to know when the redraft in the NFL takes place outside of the top tier quarterbacks? Free agency every March. Yeah. Well, and and I think that's like, like to me that is like he mentioned Major League Baseball. The reason why baseball to me makes so much sense. For if it was every four years, like the World Baseball Classic, every four years you'd redraft all the players in the majors and maybe the top 100 prospects, something like that. Um, the reason why baseball works is that there's there's 66 or more percent of the league that can no longer afford like half of the league. Yeah. Like uh, Cody Bellinger, what was it? Josh Bell, $16 million last year, $16 million per year. And – if you try to do that this year, you couldn't afford it. And by the way, Josh Bell, if he was a free agent this year, would be $20 million. Teoscar Hernandez, who is a good player, he, should, he shouldn't be your four-hitter, your right. three-hitter, your five-hitter. He should be – and what he's going to be in L.A. is like the sixth or seventh hitter. $23 million on, one year, on a one-year deal. Imagine what Paul Sorrento could have made in this era. I mean, he – I bet you Paul Sorrento imagines. He, he would have – yeah. But, but, I mean, you're right. And that is why there is such a – lack of buzz uh for an organization like the guardians they they run their organization in a very practical as lima put it uh so adeptly professional manner that you know they they can't make impulse purchases they don't have the luxury because if they make an impulse purchase which by the way has happened in years past mm-hmm. okay uh, the Edwin Encarnacion, yeah. uh, was it year two in? You're trading him for Carlos Santana. Right. I, I would say the last impulse purchase they made that actually worked out was Juan Gonzalez. They got the one good year out of him in 2001, made it to the postseason. That team won like over 90 games or whatever. Juan hit over 300, drove nearly 100 runs or more in. Okay, actually he was. I think it was over 110 RBI that year for for the the then Indians. But like. You know, that was an impulse person that like paid off. Like Travis Hafner, right? They extended his contract. Then what happened? Mm-hmm. He got hurt. And then that contract became a, a, an albatross 
you know, just hanging over the franchise. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Like their their margin of error when it comes to their financials is so paper thin. Like the the Yankees, the Dodgers, the big market teams, they can afford to spend money on a player and have him on the injured list for three months, and it's not that big of a deal yeah. to have forty million dollars sitting on the injured list. Eighty with, million with, dollars at points well, with Judge and, and Stanton right, both but, on there. But with the Guardians, one guy, they're they're shot. Yeah. And that and that's unfortunate. And that's how you disenfranchise the casual baseball. Well, fan. but see, that's what I think is what people miss in Cleveland. Is Cleveland baseball is a miracle the way that they do business. And yeah, last year sucked. Yes, year last year didn't live up to the expectations. And we probably overreacted to a one year wonder with that team two years ago. But look at the teams that they've built. And look at, and specifically under that Antonetti era. Now that we're away from Mark, the Mark Shapiro well, era for yeah, more than a decade, yeah, I, I call look it at the, what they've done. Well, I mean, for for Tito to have one below five hundred season, you know, going into his last year as manager, yeah. and he's here over a decade, mm-hmm. considering their constraints. Like the thing that I I loathe, I respected Mark Shapiro tremendously. But the thing I loathed most about him was he had a defeatist attitude. Well, we have to be like the Marlins. Hope we make the playoffs once every five years and maybe yeah. we get lucky. Whereas when Tito came here, it was, we know what our limitations are, but it's our job to overcome them and put a team on the field that's competitive. And guess what they did for a decade? Just that. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is high. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.